0: This is review and preview on the wave, the sound of LIU. Good evening, and welcome to review and preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Fons DeFalco here. Joining me again in the studio tonight, Fons. welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be here for the second time in a row. Yes, we are looking forward to having you back on tonight. A quick reminder, you could listen to our show on liuwave.org. This is our final show of June, Fridays 8 to 10 p.m. We are back after missing last week. We have a dark episode that was up on this Monday, actually, June 24th. Just my thoughts on the NBA draft. You can listen to that on anchor.fm slash review and preview. That is our podcasting site. Go check us out to catch up on any missed podcast, even from two weeks ago when Fonz made his debut on the show. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at review and preview. Podcast number 64. The show has been going strong, though, for eight years running now. So a lot of history behind it. Let's get right into things. So, Fonz, yes, both Mets fans. Uh, Yes, yes, we are. And, you know, we say that with much regret. This is uh, something that has been an ongoing trend, how the Mets have been one year away forever, and it's another sunken ship type of year for the Mets. Mickey Calloway seems to be on his way out. And this just – it hasn't gone well. They're eight games below five hundred, eleven 11 games back of the division, and Mickey is saying – it's gonna take a miracle. It's gonna take a miracle at this point. Yeah, that's something you really
1: don't want to hear from your manager. I mean, it, it. Like you said, it's just, it's a roller coaster. Being a Mets fan, you start off the season, you know, winning the opening day, winning a couple of games early on, and then just disappointment right around the All Star break, and here we are now with Mickey Calloway. You know, a year ago we thought, oh, he could definitely bring this team to
0: a far like World Series run, and now he's most likely on his way out. Coming off a World Series appearance as a pitching coach yeah, for the Cleveland Indians. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So a little shocker there. Shout out Johnny Montalbano watching our Facebook Live video. You can catch us on there as as well uh, for, for tonight. And you can call in 516-299-2030 to take part in our live show. However, there has been some good news for the Mets, fans. Yes. And it all starts. A little starts, bit. Uh, just, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. It all starts with Pete Alonso. 24-year-old rookie. Nobody saw this coming. Not me. We knew he was going to be good. Not this good. But not this good. Yeah, right. And to hit 27 home runs at this point in the season, already having the Mets home run rookie record, passing Darryl Strawberry, a record that was set back in 1983, and now he enters the home run derby where he will join Carlos Santana and Vlad Guerrero Jr., also another rookie for Toronto. But now people are saying he's an MVP candidate who might not even make the National League All-Star roster.
1: Now, I mean, I'll say this. I mean, he definitely can be in the conversation for MVP maybe, but I don't know. I feel like there's so, so many other players out there, and he is the lone bright spot on this Mets team. And like you said, you could make an argument for it. Uh, but putting him in the home run derby to even join another fellow rookie flagger or junior, that's that's pretty impressive for what both these young men have done in their early MLB careers.
0: Yeah. You said lone brights-met spot. Not sure if I agree with lone. Well, one, yeah, I would say the biggest we one, get number the point, one, though, yeah. with that. But Jeff McNeil. Well, him too. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Leads, well, not leads, second in batting average, not just in the National League, in the entire MLB. Yeah. No, that's also. I mean, no,
1: that is also impressive. I think it's just now in today's age with, with uh, young fans and basically look at the home runs and how many runs you, runs you bring in. And obviously, you know, Pete Alonso's up there too. I mean, yeah.
0: McNeil's also been very impressive too. You can't overlook what he's done with the Mets. Also, you certainly can't. And he's hitting three forty six, Jeff McNeil. Now he's not a guy that's going to impress you with his power. He's not going to hit a lot of home runs. I think he has maybe six at this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, six. Want to double check? It's alarming how a guy can be such a good hitter. This guy kind of reminds you of a Daniel Murphy type of player, a guy who, well, McNeil, I believe, was always a third baseman, kind of like what Murphy was, and then they threw him in the outfield, and then played a little second, and he's kind of developed into a first baseman now with Colorado. But yeah. uh, McNeil's developed into. I mean, he yeah, can, it shows you can please
1: can play both positions.
0: He, he can reminds him me a of a Murphy-type player.
1: That's a good comparison. I, I like that comparison. Yeah. Hopefully uh, he, he doesn't leave like Murphy, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the hitting has been okay this yeah. season outside of those two guys who have been great. You know, they brought in Robinson Cano, who has underperformed so far. He's battled yeah. some injuries. And we were all excited to have yeah. Robinson Cano in a Mets uniform. just really hasn't lived up to the expectations so far, really. They brought in J.D. Davis to be a bench player who has been relatively good, I would say. Dom Smith has taken the next step in year number two.
1: He's definitely improved a lot. I'm very impressed with what Dom Smith has done even after his his rookie season where it was a little bit up
0: and down, but he's he's really turned it around in his second season. And now this, this is a guy who plays off the bench. He doesn't get many at-bats. The Mets now trying to force his way into that starting lineup, mm-hmm. which you kind of have the luxury of doing at the expense of injuries. Yeah. You know, no Jed Lowry, of course. Um, it's There's been a – Brandon
1: Nimmo. Another guy, yeah. I mean, you can you can test him around and play around here with all these injuries. And, I mean, Mickey said it's going to take a miracle. So, I mean, might as well just
0: play around with your lineup and see what works for the future. Co-host Kyle Russo was actually talking to me this week. He's like, name one good move the Mets have done that Brody Van Wagner has done this offseason. I named him the one good move Brody made. It was bringing in Wilson Ramos to be the catcher of this team.
1: Yeah, but that's the one move he's, he's done so if far. If you like
0: offense, you like Wilson Ramos, which, I mean, I can't make the argument I like Tomas Nito as the backup catcher. I don't think he's a bad major league player at all. Yeah. And if you bring in Ramos, then Messerocco became somewhat expendable. They dealt Kevin Ploiecki to the Indians or the Mets had a million catchers, and then Darno got options okay. early on in the season. Designated for a si- finally, yeah. I mean Ramos has been. I mean Rob, Ramos, excuse me, is has been a capable
1: starter and has been because the Mets have went through so many catchers, it feels like, and it
0: shows stability in that position. Which I mean, obviously you need that. Lots of stability. Shout-out Tommy the Mac McNamara watching our Facebook Live video, also a Mets fan, used to be a co-host on the show. Oh, okay. And we used to debate a lot about the Mets and how bad they were. Uh,
1: Pretty much uh, sounds the same as it is today.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the pitching. We'll transition to the pitching. Mm-hmm. The Mets have fired their pitching coach in Dave Island, and the Yan- Yankee fans know him well, he used to be part of their staff. Mm-hmm. Bullpen coach Chuck Hernandez got axed as well. This just goes to show you that Mickey Calloway, his strength as a manager is pitching. And to see his pitching assistants being let go. Yeah, that's what he was known for. You're next. I mean, it just goes to show you're not doing a good job at managing your ball club, quite frankly. The worst thing the Mets did this off season was bringing J. Roos Familia back on a three-year deal. Yeah, you and let I him go in st- the first place. Yeah. Why, I never understood why bringing him back if you let him go in the first place. Maybe. They didn't mean to cut you off, cut you off there, but no, that's why I you it out there. Maybe with the new GM. You know, it's very possible that could have been it. Yeah. I'm not too sure, quite frankly, but I don't like where this is headed because now that contract is going to be albatross because now you got to deal with him for another two years, and the Mets aren't going to fix the bullpen in another two years, I'm sure, no. with the way this is headed, with a new manager likely starting – the 2020 campaign Mickey's on his way out clearly and now the new pitching coach the interim pitching coach Phil Reagan who's 82 years old yeah when when I saw when I I mean (laughs) listen I'm not
1: trying to be disrespectful but an 82 year old pitching coach I mean that is man I don't know how I when I saw his age I was like that can't be right he last played in the MLB in 1972 I just—I just want to let you know—the last time he's played was in 1972. And last time I, I'm looking, I'm, I'm just looking at his Wikipedia page, just double check. He last even coached in 1999 with the Cleveland Indians. It's a Mets move, Fonz. It's—it's it's, yeah. You know, it really—you know—it shouldn't shock me now that I think about it. shouldn't. It, no, really, it really, really should shouldn't. Now, now that I think about it,
0: it really should not shock you at all. That's just how the Mets are. They do these dumb moves and they sign two-year band-aids like Jason Vargas, and that's where we're at. So, let's uh, talk about Vargas. This segues into the debacle that occurred last week with yeah. Vargas and Callaway. Yeah. And, look, you've already proven to us you're a bad manager. You crack on the pressure. You admit mistakes. Days late. And it's just funny because beat reporter Tim Healy was asked to be removed by Mickey Callaway live during a press conference. Yeah. And then he was later threatened By Mets starter Jason Vargas, that and he and he stated, "I'll knock you, you know what, out." Yeah, that's it's really not really professional to say. I feel like as
1: a a, really in any level of sports, especially to the media who's just going there, just doing their job, just trying to get a quote for their stories.
0: This is horrendous. Yeah, it's really it it really is. I don't understand why you got to do this to your team. You're already struggling I don't understand you lose these games that you should win but then you split with the Cubs they played well in the Dodgers series I thought yeah and then you just have this three and eight road trip in an eleven game span and then back to this Vargas thing for a second both were fined neither will be suspended I think Brody van ten thousand each I, well, I think Vargas so. is ten thousand I know that I don't know how much Mickey's is but Brody just labeled it as childish, disappointing, regrettable.
1: Yeah, no, I did. I mean, I do agree with him. It is, it is kind of childish the way like you reacted. Wasn't a part, This guy wasn't. The newsday report wasn't really personally attacking. Him. it was just asking a question like, "What's going on with the team? What should you do?" It wasn't anything personal. So, I, yeah, I agree with with uh, Brody
0: here that it is a little bit childish. And if you're beat reporter Tim Healy, this puts you in a precarious predicament here. Mm-hmm. Where now, like what happens when you deal with these guys again? Yeah. You
1: don't you wouldn't want to do it. You you really wouldn't want to go to another postgame press
0: conference or whatever to even get quotes from them. So the end of their road trip, the knot, and well, Mickey Calloway somehow made it back up the turnpike because the Will Ponds won't do anything. Uh the Mets lose two out of three to Atlanta. They tie the series with the Cubs two to two. And then get swept by the Phillies. Yeah, that's just really. It's... <laughs> the Mets have lost five straight games, and they're losing tonight right now. I believe they're losing three nothing now. I think Donaldson had a sacrifice fly that drove did. in a run.
1: It's just the, it's just the state of the Mets. I mean, we can keep talking about this. I mean, I I know I've been only here for two episodes. It feels like you've been talking about this every every Friday night with these with these uh, New York Mets.
0: Hair color's changing, fonts. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna end up like Todd Frazier. No offense. but I mean, did you see what Francesca said about this team? Uh, what, what, what did uh, what did Francesca say about I the team? I didn't watch the video, but I was talking to Hank, who has called in on the shows periodically, and Francesca just ranted, like, just get rid of them all. Like, just clean house. I mean, honestly, he's not really wrong.
1: I wouldn't mind just hitting a fresh reset button. Maybe even keep you know you uh, keep Pete Alonso obviously McNeil keep two other guys, but just clean house completely. Uh, you know I actually do agree with uh, Frances here on that one. Just reset everything.
0: It's horrendous. Um, so <laughs> this week, the Mets played down in Philadelphia, and three days in a row, the Mets held the lead heading into the eighth inning, and three days in a row, the bullpen blew the game. It just seems like a return. That, that
1: sounds like when I was a kid, too, watching the Mets. Exactly. Know, doing well. Oh, my God. They're, like, winning, and then
0: the starting pitcher comes out. It's like, oh, no. You remember the guys like Aaron Heilman, J.J. Putz, Scott Schoenweiss, those guys that just always blew leads. Yeah, that's Pedro just really, Feliciano, that, that, just, that just ruined my night a little bit. Billy <laughs> Wagner, <laughs> oh, K-Rod. Oh, no, not K-Rod. That,
1: that, thanks a lot, Tom, for ruining my night. <laughs> Bringing <it> up, K-Rod.
0: <laughs> this is Review and Preview, folks, here on liuwave.org. The Mets lost the game on Wednesday, 5-4. Vargas had a fantastic game, 10 Ks. Mets lead 4-1, then gave up three runs in the bottom of the seventh, which tied the game, and then the Mets end up losing in the bottom of the 10th inning, thanks to who else? Former Met, Jay Bruce, with a walk-off RBI double. Far from excellent work by the Mets. That had to
1: hurt though with the Jay Bruce walk up
0: double. Out of to, all guys. Yeah, right. It's that that hurts. Mm. Tough. Jay Bruce. Uh he yeah. He started the season out in Seattle. That's so. right. That's yeah. right. And he got uh he wasn't in the canoe tree. Was he in the canoe tree? He was in the canoe tree. That train. was
1: okay, That's what it was.
0: It was him, Kalenic, a few other prospects sent to Seattle. I think Swarzak was part of that mm-hmm. deal for Cano and Diaz. Everybody was raving about Diaz. Some people were indifferent about Cano, but even Diaz has struggled.
1: Yeah. And Diaz looked as, like, the the young piece that, like, excuse me, that, like, oh, yeah, Cano's good, but wait until Diaz, like, you know, starts to get
0: going and stuff. He's going to be really good, and it really hasn't worked out for both players. Speaking of Diaz getting going, he sure got going yesterday. Uh, Thursday, the Mets lose 6-3 after leading 3-1 in the top of the ninth. Our all-star closer in Edwin Diaz gave up five runs in the bottom of the ninth inning. Air quote all-star. Gene Segura hit a walk-off dinger to drive in three runs, and that's how the Mets' week ended.
1: That's it is just there's no excuses for what's going on at this point. <laughs> it's really. laughable. Fonz, I'm, I'm at
0: a I'm I'm at a loss for words. I really have nothing else to say about this. Well. That leads into tonight. The Mets return home to City Field. Mickey Callaway is still the manager of this team. For how long? That's the that's the, the bigger question here. Yeah. That is true. The good news is Pete Rolonzo just hit his twenty eighth home run of the season.
1: Thank you, Pete, so much for at least Pistol Pete. Thank you so much, Pete, for at least giving me some hope. Red eye. In
2: yeah.
0: In my Mets fandom here. So thank you, Pete. Listen, gotta do what you gotta do. A solo shot after the 349 feet. Wow. Yeah. He's hitting the out. I think he has 15 over 400 feet this year. That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Wow. Which has been insane because the Grom is on the mound tonight, and the Mets are already given up three runs in the bottom of the fourth inning. I mean, it's just unacceptable. And that home run was the Mets' first hit of the night.
1: Well, at least I, I just – Again, thank you, just Pete, for just giving me some hope yeah. and letting me enjoy watching a
0: game or listening to a game here and there. Mike Soroka dueling against the Grom tonight. Tomorrow, you got Julio Teheran against Steven Matz, which should be an interesting matchup. And then Sunday, Noah Syndergaard returns from the IL. I'm going to call it DL, but you know, yeah. the IL. I L or D L, whatever whatever you prefer. The, I, I think it was because the disabled list. I think part of the reason they found that offensive. Disabled list, yeah. like the player was disabled. Yeah. So the, the is it still is the D L still used or is it just all basically injured
1: list? That's just injured list now. Yeah. Okay, alright. So they it'll take some time to get used to switching
0: over the names. Like
1: it, it, it'll happen to me. Noah
0: Syndergaard funds is coming off a right hammy strain. This is a guy who he struggled at times this season. Yes. We've seen a lot of these five-inning outings where he has 9, 10 strikeouts but 100 pitches.
1: Yes. And there's days too where like he it's the opposite. Yeah. Where he gets up a lot of runs in a short amount of pitches and gets pulled. It's hard. It, it's a, it's a up and down and the injuries don't help too when you're not consistently starting. It's Like the past couple of seasons we've kind of dealt with he's out for an extended period of time. Yes. So, I just, I, it's the injuries that really just ruins his consistency or potential consistency he can have with De, with him and
0: DeGrom is like the one, two. Yeah. Send the guard on the season five and four, a 4.55 earned run average and 95 innings pitched. Sunday night, this game will be televised on ESPN at 7 o'clock. Oh, geez. <laughs> uh, oh, National no. television, <laughs> the lights are shining bright. Oh, man. He will be going up against one of the National League's best in Atlanta Braves ace so far this season, Max Freed, a nine and three record with a three point nine six earned run average. That's a little high, but this guy gets a lot of strikeouts. Yeah, he has nine wins. He's right up there with Ryu in wins. And Freed arguably might be the second best pitcher in the National League right now.
1: Oh, yeah. you could definitely. I mean, with those stats, you definitely can make an argument. Uh, we'll just see. What just ha- what happens? What type of Syndergaard are we going to get? Are we going to get the thirteen strikeout guy in a lot yeah. of pitches, or the one that just gives up four runs in the first three innings, or something? Exactly. Like, you're
0: not sure which Syndergaard you're going to get. Which leads me to ask: We don't know what the Mets are going to give us this weekend. Yeah, that too. Period. We just don't know what they're going to get. How period. many games do you think they take in the series?
1: Uh, you know what I? I think I think that.
0: Maybe uh, some I, optimism. You know what? Uh, I'm maybe
1: one. I don't. Maybe the, one. Maybe one. You know, what? I can't get hopes up anyway. Maybe the
0: one. Maybe Saturday's game. I'll predict that. Maybe you know. Great minds think alike. Yeah. I thought the exact same. Uh, we'll thing. give it. We'll give it that one. I saw the matchup. Mats against the Heron. I think they win the game in between. Yeah, but the one down there, which is fine. That's a four o'clock start tomorrow, which yeah. will be in Hicksville tomorrow. Yes, yes, we will be. Yes, <laughs> we'll, we'll actually be. be at a barbecue tomorrow. So. But yeah, that will be interesting to see if the Mets can win any of these games this weekend. Right now, does not look too promising because the even if the Grom gets into a groove now, you're down two runs, and your bats got to wake up. And when you're five through nine, is Frazier, Dom Smith, Rosario, Nito, that's a problem. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then the Subway Series, of course, next week it'll be two games. Um, like look, the two games last time, the last time we talked about. Monday and the, Tuesday. the Subway Series. Yeah.
1: I don't think I like that. No, I've, like, I like I said it last time, too, with these types of games. I I like to have them all. It's better at the, I think, what, this is the last two games. Is there any more after this? Any more in the Subway Series? I feel like you see that makes it four games. I think a lot of fans like to have best of three or best of five. Yeah. But, like, really close together. You know, having, like, even, like, just making three games the best of three. Fans like to have a little competition, especially between Mets and Yankees fans. Exactly, it, it gives Mets fans a little bit of hope to be like, "Hey, you know what?
0: We actually want we want a series." Potentially, it's just hard because even the last Subway Series, it was an easily forgettable series because both games were on the same day. Because remember, you had the rain out. That's right. Just, yeah, that's right. It got to a point where it was just a forgettable series. I mean, even if they yeah. added another game now, then it'd be like a,
1: a best of five. Which I wouldn't mind either. I just think that you kind of want to... Whenever you do series, I think you should always have, like, an odd number of matchups. That's just my opinion. The good
0: news is the Mets have a very favorable schedule in August, and they have a decent schedule in July. I'm looking at the series in August, Fonz. Yes. You got the uh, Pirates, the Marlins, the Nationals. You got the Nationals and Marlins a lot, actually. And then you got... Yeah, you are getting the Marlins a lot here. The Cubs, and then the Braves, and the Phillies sprinkled in. So... It'll be interesting to see what happens in July and August. The Subway Series Monday, you'll get Vargas against Cece in Game Number One. At least that's what they have right now. Yeah, maybe. I'm on.
1: Uh, I'm going on. I'm on ESPN right now, and it's uh, for the Subway. It's Vargas versus Paxton. Vargas versus Paxton. Yeah, and then for Wednesday, July third, it just says Zach Wheeler, and then just doesn't have anybody on there right now.
0: So it's Tuesday
1: and Wednesday. I, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah. yeah, Tuesday, July second, uh, Vargas and Paxton, and then Wednesday, July third.
0: Wheeler and to be determined. And that's because the Yankees are in London this weekend Mm -hmm. against the Red Sox. So they're giving them Friday and Monday off. Yes, yeah. So it'll be a two-game slate against Boston. Yeah. Right. All right, so we'll see what happens. Subway Series tied 1-1 to so far this season. When we come back, we're going to step aside for a quick break right now. And then when we come back, we will talk about the New York Yankees. You're listening to Review and Preview here on liuwave.org.
3: Now back to Review and Preview on The Wave, the sound of LIU.
0: And welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Fonz DeFalco. Hello, hello, everyone here in the studio. You can listen to us tonight here on liuwave.org, or you can watch us on Facebook Live. All right, so we just spoke about the Mets. Now we're going to talk a little bit about the Yankees. Now, the Yankees currently, they're on their way to London yes, to play a two-game slate against those Boston Red Sox, which that should be a very interesting series. Yes, it should be. The Yankees, heading into last Saturday night, they were on an eight-game winning streak. And, well, heading into Sunday, I should say. It was old-timers day. Mm -hmm. The Yankees lost. But, I mean, they had a great week. You know, I think... They continue to set history every year, and as of Wednesday, the Yankees set the all-time mark with 28 straight games with a home run. Very Fantastic. impressive.
1: we which is completely opposite of what we were talking about before, just all positive so
0: far with uh, what the Yankees have been doing this year. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see if the Yankees continue this momentum, especially now with Giancarlo Stanton back on the I.L. Yes.
1: He's out once again. Yeah, shocker. Yeah, it Was the second, third time yeah. this season that he's on the I.L.? I want to
0: say third, yeah. It's been a shame because what he can produce to this lineup is well, very interesting. Yeah, you you want to see what he can do
1: fully healthy in the lineup with everyone else. But that's just the story with the Yankees this year. Just a lot of injuries Yeah, here and there, but they're still producing at a high level with whoever they call up or
0: trade for or... Anyone that's in a Yankee uniform this year is just producing for them. Despite all these injuries, I think the only weakness on this team is the starting rotation. Yeah. Severino's been out forever. Yes. Tanaka just back from paternity leave. CeCe has been in and out of the lineup this year. Hap. Yeah. It's kind of like a Phil Hughes effect from a few years ago. Wins all these games, but his ERA is high over Mm -hmm. five. And then Paxton, who struggled to start, he's kicking into his groove a little bit. And... Now the deadline is coming. You clearly need a fifth arm because right now you only have four healthy arms in that rotation, yeah. and then the fifth starter is kind of a mix. You see uh, Holder, Chad Green. Need, need some need some uh, a boost in the bullpen and the starting rotation. There's been some talks about Max Scherzer, Madison Bumgarner, Marcus Stroman, but before we get there, let's review the week that was for the Yankees. We're heading back. 11 days ago, June 17th, it's where it all started. Tanaka had a complete game. DJ continuing to rake in this series against Tampa Bay. The Yankees win 3-0. This mm-hmm. led to a sweep because in game two, again, Encarnacion hit his first home run as a Yankee. The little – uh he holds his arm up as he trots around those bases. Yeah. Uh Cameron Maben had three hits. He's been a great factor for them off the bench. Yeah,
1: no, very good, very impressive what he's been able to do too with the Yankees.
0: That was a six to three win, and then of course, the last game of that series, Blake Snell, ALCY Young last year, yep, gets mauled. Pitched a third of an inning, gave up six runs, had four walks. Yankees ended up winning that game twelve to one. Sabathia was great, six innings pitched, one run, seven strikeouts. That's a typical CC start. That's what you'll get at his best at this point. Yankees sweep the Rays, and now the Rays lingering, fighting for second with Boston. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. This leads to a series against Houston. A four-game set against the Astros. This could be a potential ALCS preview. Potentially, yes. Yankees continue to rake. Four home runs. DJ LeMahieu, Gary Sanchez, Encarnacion, Glabert Torres, and then Nestor Cortez Jr. with the win. And then Chapman with the save for a 10-6 win. This led to last Friday, Astros, Brad Peacock, fantastic game as 11 strikeouts, but the Yankees still win. Paxton went just five innings, but had seven Ks. Sanchez and Torres each hit two run homers. Yankees win 4-1. I mean... I'm sorry, when your pitcher throws 11 strikeouts and you can only get him one run, that's kind of like a DeGrom effect. Yeah, I've right. read that. I'm like, huh, sounds like, a de, sounds like Jacob DeGrom. The first thing that popped into my mind, Fonz. Yeah. not sure, uh, <laughs> Not sure I'm a fan. But the third game of this series, which was on Saturday, Tanaka got hit around a little bit, but Holder, as appropriately said, holds the game and gets the win. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, he was great. Um, and then Stanton had four RBIs. That was a Stanton four-RBI game. Urshela and Romine each hit a home run. Yankees win 7-5. And Fonz, why don't you analyze this uh, June 23rd game while I take this call here?
1: No, I'm sorry. So, Houston with the... Uh, nine it was a 9-4 victory. Verlander, seven innings pitch, nine strikeouts, allowed three runs, four home runs for the Astros between Altuve, Alvarez, Urell and White. And they – well, the Yanks, Yanks win the Series 3-1, but this last one was not really successful for them. It allows uh, – excuse me. they allowed 11 hits, eight runs, and only three home runs and only four innings pitched.
0: Yeah. Uh, it was another terrible half start. Yeah. But – uh
1: But they won the series three to one
0: they did and then this translated into the toronto series but before we get there we do have a caller oh look
1: at that my first caller experience here
0: so we are going to have this on here caller please state your name and where you are from
4: this is hank from westchester
0: hank how's it going Can, can can you hear us
4: Yes, I can. Loud and clear. It's going great. How about you?
0: We're doing
1: good over here. I can barely hear him. No, I can. I can hear him. Let me see. Oh no, no. I think we lost him. Let me try that. Hank. Right.
4: No, I'm, I'm still here. I'm still I here. hear you now.
1: Good. Yeah. Perfect. 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 Sorry about that. Oh that... no,
4: no, no. But you're fine. I was here all along. No, good. I just forgot what. I... Okay.
0: Henry and Dichter from Westchester, New York, Chappaqua. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. Did I did I say it right this time around? Yeah, you got it. So, Hank, uh, what is your question for us here tonight?
4: First of all, what pitcher do who do you think would be what pitcher at the trade deadline do you think would be the best fit for the Yankees right now?
1: Fonze, you want to give your yeah? I I mean, I think Bumgarner from the Giants. I think he is one of the best pitchers in the league, and I think he's going to bring that star power that I mean, and, and they're lacking in that pitching rotation. And that—that's the first person that comes to my mind. He and you know you can tell he loves to play the game of baseball. I mean, he can get a little over aggressive with teammates, but maybe you need that, especially in this weak rotation. That's just what I think.
0: Well, I Who
4: will would agree. You say, Hank. I will agree to disagree. As much as Ooh. I think Bumgarner would be a great addition, and I also agree that he could help in the postseason. I will say this though. Short-term, I don't know. He might be the answer short-term, but long-term, I am a little worried that he is entering the wrong side of third. And so, with that said, my first choice is Marcus Strom. This guy is young. He is team-controllable. He's got a great arm. I don't know if you watched his last game against the Red Sox. He was absolutely filthy. And... This is a guy who I feel like would do pretty well in the pressure of New York, especially considering he grew up in, around here, like Long Island. So it's kind of around here next to the woods. But anyways, I think getting a young arm like Strowman in the rotation would be excellent work by Brian Cashman, if I say so myself. <laughs> and But having Mad Bum would be the worst thing in the world, though. I, I, so therefore, I'm agreeing to disagree with you guys.
0: I think your argument is you don't want three lefties in the rotation, correct?
4: Yeah, that's that's another
0: thing with CC and Cap. Might... Right. Exactly. Uh, so...
4: Otherwise. Go ahead. No, 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 keep going. Keep going. I forgot what you were going to say. Go ahead, I Hank. Lost my sense of. I also was going to say I'm also kind of torn about Max Scherzer because, as great as he is, I don't think you want to take on that much money. <laughs>
0: Strowman's career record, 46-42, and 42, an ERA well under 4. He's been in the major since 2014, but really didn't uh, get his first couple of cracks until about a year or two ago. He's 28 years old out of Medford, New York, about an hour east from the LIU post-campus, where we broadcast, review, and preview. Hank, I would happen to agree with you on that. I think Strowman would be an excellent fit, considering he knows the American League. He pitches against these teams a lot. I think he would fit in well. Oh, yeah, no, I,
1: I, I agree with you, too, and... Like Hank said, you know, short-term could work.
0: But, like, the wrong side of 30, the long run, what's he going to do beyond this season? Yeah, exactly. Now, Hank, the Toronto series this week, I know you were at a couple of these games, correct?
4: Uh, The only one I was able to make was actually uh, Tuesday. But I did go to one of the Astros games as well.
0: The Tuesday game, that was June 25th? It was, uh, yeah, It was where they hit the four home runs, um, LeMahieu, Judge, yeah. Encarnacion, and Torres, right?
4: Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you got that exact order, but yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so, my yeah, thing you, is... Yeah, I
4: think and flip-flopped Torres and Encarnacion, that was it, anyway.
0: Right. Now, of course, this week, Giancarlo Stanton goes down following the four RBI game. And the Yankees recalled Mike Talkman from AAA Scranton. What are your thoughts on Talkman, and why him over a guy like Clint Frazier? Are you surprised by that at all?
4: Um, yes and no. Because uh, yes, I think I see what they're doing. Because I'm guessing they want the defensively superior outfielder. Mm-hmm. So I guess I can understand what they're doing. With that said, do I agree with it? No, I think. Blint was hitting very well right before he got demoted, and I would think maybe giving him another chance might have been the right idea, especially considering he might be one of the guys you're trading. And so if he has a couple of good games here and there, maybe that will up his trade value.
0: Hmm. That's an interesting take. I uh, real, Realistically, I think Frazier's bat needs to be in the lineup. I just think, right, there's an yeah. attitude problem. There's yeah. a maturity issue with him. Uh, you know, he's made comments about his hair, like not wanting to cut his hair. I mean, it's uh, it's something that must be considered with the Yankees. You have all these good outfielders. You're kind of stacked. I mean, Jacoby Ellsbury is hurt. Hicks was hurt for a lot this season. He's back. And now Stanton's on the shelf. So, you know, right now you got Brett Gardner. you got Aaron Judge. you got Aaron Hicks. And you got Talkman up. So, Hank, it's just weird because you have been to a lot of Yankees games this season. And even... With Stanton out, I mean now you got Encarnacion who's DHing, and the Yankees. I believe it was Wednesday. They they trailed five nothing in the second inning early on against the Blue Jays, and then they came back despite Paxton being so bad. You just see Glaber Torres the game winning walk off single, and then the Yankees just sweep the Jays, and this momentum translating into the Boston series in London, where you'll see Tanaka against Porcello. And then half against Rodriguez in the second game. So, what exactly are you most looking forward to in this London series? Considering with Stanton now, I mean, you'll see, you know, who they'll put in the outfield to align with the starting pitching.
4: I'm looking forward to see how the Talkman call up works out because, like I said, the reason they brought him up in the first place is because he is definitely defensively the superior fielder than um, Frazier. So that'll be interesting. I'm also interested to see, like, how the Yankees can take a, can dots back if they're, like, from behind early in a game. Let's say, let's say Sunday of the game that Hap pitches and he falls behind early. I want to see how if the Yankees can respond to that as well as they did against Toronto.
0: Well, in Hap's last start, he gave up eight runs and 11 hits. So not a good outing. Now, oh, yeah. actually, this thought just occurred. Do you think this move for Talkman over Frazier had to do with finances at all? Oddly enough?
4: Um I it might have. It could have either been that or it could have been the attitude. Right. I'm not a hun- I can't a hundred percent say for sure. I'm as much as I go to all the games, I don't have all the inside information like many people might assume that I do. So so, I can't give you a 100% answer, unfortunately.
0: And my last question for you, with Giancarlo Stanton back on the I.L., he will likely be out until August. Do you think this affects the Yankees at the trade deadline at all, where they are less likely to give up a guy like Frazier because you may need that depth, especially without Giancarlo Stanton in this lineup? Do you think that will hold them back a little bit, considering all the injuries they've had this season, that you may want as many guys in there as possible. Now, I understand, like, Morales, the 10-day, and Tolowitzki you might get back, but... What what are your general Morales thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, Morales is gone. That is correct.
4: No, he's gone. He's DFA. Yeah, um, hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I think they might still get Cameron Maven back what, by come July, because I think he might come back earlier than, mm-hmm. than Stanton. So, right. I don't know 100% sure if it will, but... I still think he's probably gonna find a way somehow because let's say once Stanton comes back, Stanton can come back earlier than you expect. I don't think Cashman when he said that Stanton was gonna be out was ruled out a possible earlier return. So I'm gonna say no, but that's a but more along the lines of maybe, but I'm leaning towards now.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Hank, any final thoughts before you let you go?
4: Um, I no, I just think the Yankees it's it's been a great run. I They did better than I expected on this homestand. I was really expecting them to get, win at least four of the seven games against Houston Tampa, but, I mean, they only lost one, so I can't complain. And I, I'm just hoping they can get maybe a Marcus Stroman or a Mad Bum. Who knows? Yeah. But last thing i got to say before I, I head off, as usual, thanks again for having me, and uh, excellent work, guys.
0: All right, thank you very much, Hank. We appreciate it. Thank man. you. Uh, ho- hopefully you can stay in your seat this week at the Subway Series.
4: <laughs> hopefully. Good night, Hank. Night.
0: That was Hank and Dichter from Westchester, New York. These Hank calls are funny. They're, they're always the best. Uh, he, uh, how many has he called? How many times has he called before? Uh, he's called about four or five times now. Oh, nice. His periodic, two to three week, he'll do a call. Every once in a while, but it's always great to hear his insight on the Yankees, of yeah, course. No. So
1: we'll see him in two or, two or three weeks. Uh, exactly. Some
0: more Yankees insight. On that note, we're gonna step aside for a quick break, folks. When we come back, we will talk some MLB news and give our team of the week. You're listening to Review and Preview here on the Wave, the sound of L I U. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Joined alongside Fonz DeFalco here. Hello, everyone. In the studio. Welcome back. And just a quick reminder, folks, you can listen to us tonight here on liuwave.org. You can watch us on Facebook Live. If you have any questions, you can call in. Our number is 516-299-2030. Feel free to take part in our live show. Fonz, let's get some MLB news. Yes. This should be very interesting. Uh, So far this year, the strikeouts have heavily outnumbered the hits. It's the first time in a while. Yeah. And you're seeing it translate into the teams with the best pitching are having the most success. And the Dodgers, best team in baseball right now at uh, 55 and 26, Guys with Ryu, Clayton Kershaw, Rich Hill, those guys have been great for L.A. this season. Definitely. And the way Cody Bellinger's handled the bat, leading this team, with Max Muncie, Verdugo, Chris Taylor, Justin Turner.
1: An overall solid team and all sides, really, pitching, fielding, batting. They're just overall a,
0: a very good team, and it shows. They seem to be the ideal World Series favorite right now. Yeah, I would it's, say. Just,
1: it's just you know the the one thing to, just to go on the other side here. You know, it's just how can they go in the postseason? That's always the question, especially late. I mean, they have made it to World Series, but they never won one. So that's also that's just the question: What's going to happen when uh, October rolls around?
0: When it's in World Series mode, yeah. or playoff mode? It'll be interesting to see. And they have their hands tied tonight against the Colorado Rockies. Out in Colorado in a game that Ryu is starting, uh, MLB best ERA, 1.27. He has been absolutely fantastic. And on the mound for the Rockies, Sentenzella. So that should be interesting. And the Rockies have a good lineup. I mean, Blackman leading off, Ian Desmond, Dahl, Nolan Arenado leading all-star voting. Of course, the former Met, Daniel Murphy. Uh, Chris Iannetta catching, McMahon. Top to bottom they're they have a fantastic lineup. They compete with the Dodgers, and I think the Rockies might be that number one uh wild card team yeah no definitely in the a little bit behind in the in the division
1: division leaders, but definitely in the wild card run
0: yeah now the team funds that has surprised me the most this season is the Minnesota Twins. I think they surprised all of us. I don't think anybody saw this coming
1: yeah if you, if you told me in the beginning of the year the twins would be right up there in the one of the best uh records in the league. I'd be like, uh, are you sure? Uh, I think you might be going a little crazy. But no, they, they're they uh, right now in overall standings. They're third. Well, they're tied for second, really, with the New York Yankees at 52-28. and 28. Yeah.
0: Very impressive what they've been doing. They've been great. Jake Odorizzi, starting pitcher, one yeah. of the leaders in wins. They're hitting. Their big three. CJ Krohn, Eddie Rosario, Max Kepler. They've hit a lot of home runs. Uh, Speaking of home runs, an MLB best 149 home runs through 80 games. They're starting to even out a little bit as they're trying to get towards that Yankees record. I don't know if they're going to quite get there, but they'll come close.
1: They'll definitely be fighting towards the end, I think.
0: Twins are a solid team. They have a solid eight-game win above the Cleveland Indians. They have Barrios as well. I completely forgot about him, Jose Barrios. He's been great, seeking his seventh quality start in a row tonight. They are currently tied with the Chicago White Sox two to two, at the end of the second inning, heading to the third. And of course, Jorge Polanco, he's been great as well. Yeah, I keep forgetting about him. Another guy who flies under the radar. He might crack lo- the All Star lineup. A lot of guys that aren't really necessarily household names to the
1: common baseball fan, but it just with the way they're playing now, it's just very
0: impressive. Yeah. Their backup catcher though, Astadio, hit the IL. He's fanta- He's he's quick and he's huge. He's like almost three hundred pounds. Wow, for a, a backup catcher, yeah, he's uh he's up there for sure. But he's been great. Speaking of the Minnesota Twins, they have a couple of guys in the All Star voting, yes. and one in particular leading at first base, CJ Crone. Yeah,
1: no, very again another uh, just uh, one of the stars for the Twins, and the reason why
0: they have one of the better records and surprising team in the MLB right now. I'd agree with that, Fonz. You look at Krohn, you hit 17 home runs, your name is going to be up there. He's always had power. He played for Tampa Bay last season. He had the power. It's just now he's putting his bat together. His average is in the high 270s. He's lurking around 280, which is, for a power hitter, that's very good. That's around where you want to be, 280, 285 at worst. And I think you're comparing – I don't want to compare this to, like, a poor man's version of Aaron Judge, but that's kind of like what it is right now with Chrome. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are surprised to see his name there. So,
1: but props to him. Yeah, very, very good for him and the whole Minnesota Twins organization for what they've been doing so far.
0: Yeah. Scoop as well at second base, Jonathan Scoop. Completely forgot about him. Sano at third. You see, what you're saying, it's just a bunch of guys that... No-name guys. You completely, that that yeah, for the common fan or
1: even... Hardcore fans that you'd be like, oh, wait, they have this guy. Oh, wait, they have this guy. You, you learn something new with the team, I feel like, every time you see him play.
0: Bad Joe coming, but a bunch of misfits. Maybe they watched Toy Story 4 together already. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. So don't spoil it for I me. I got to see it next week. It should be fun. Other all star starters for the American League Jose Altuve, second baseman, fantastic. Also representing the Astros, leading at third, Alex Bregman. For the Yankees, you got Glaber Torres in there at short, Gary Sanchez catching the outfielders left to right you got mike trout well mike trout in right field george springer representing the astros as well so three astro starters in there and mookie bets yeah the outfielder for boston fantastic hitter yeah former batting champion and then the dh texas hunter pence yeah, very, reviving I mean, his career.
1: Very, very good line. I mean, it, a, a lot of the voting, since it is, it is fan voting, the All-Stars, you kind of expect a little bit more of a popularity contest, so you kind of yeah. expect Betts, Trout, Springer to be your outfield. You know, maybe if it was fan voting, Judge would probably be lurking around there, too. And then Bregman and Altuve, Torres and Sanchez, they're kind of all expected that they would probably be all starting in the All-Star lineup. But then Crone and Pence, the two guys, you're like, wow, you know, they... They're not just doing it
0: on a popularity contest. They're showing that these guys are the best at their respective positions. They really are, if you think about it. Now, we head over to the National League side of things, Fawns. Yes. Josh Bell, fantastic on the season. He leads the MLB and RBIs with 70. He has 22 home runs to go with a 311 average. Milwaukee's Mike Moustakas leading at second base, although he's played a combination of positions in the infield all over the place. But I guess for
1: for now, he'll represent, if he gets in, as a second baseman.
0: Nolan Arenado brings in his 19 home runs, 62 RBIs, and 313 average, representing third base. Javier Baez at short. Wilson Contreras at catcher. Both those guys are cubbies. Outfield, Marlins, try not to – try to hold your breath here. Oh, sorry, Marlins and Yelich in the outfield to go with Cody Bellinger. No surprise. I did much like with the AL.
1: Not a lot of surprises here. Yeah. Uh, maybe a few here here and there, but Yelich, former MVP, kind of knew he was going to be there with the way he was playing. Baez, too, Moustakas, even though he's all over the place. But it, you kind of expect it with the starters in the MLB All-Star game. It's kind of a lot of expected. If they just as long as they were healthy and and playing
0: at a consistent basis, they would most likely be starters exactly. here. Exactly. What might even be more surprising is that Mets first baseman Pete Alonso North amongst first basemen. It maybe maybe he'll come in, get in as a as a backup. You know, being in the that's fine. Maybe. That's fine for now. It's stacked because you got Freddie Freeman. Yeah, you got Anthony Rizzo. He might Josh not even Bell. make
1: it. it maybe unless uh, I don't know, say an injury, they pull out. Like if someone one or the other that you mentioned Freeman or whatever
0: just decides not to play or whatever. It's hard for rookies to get in. Nah, he's been that impressive, but. He's been in the MVP talk, but not really in the All-Star talk. That's insane. It's just the Mets in general. you know? yeah. <laughs> Perfect Although Mets player. we did mention at the beginning of the show, Fonz, he will be participating in the Home Run Derby with 28 home runs. And a fun fact, Peter Alonzo is second in the MLB in home runs, only behind Christian Yelich, who has 29. He is one behind. Right, and he leader.
1: just yeah he just got one today, so now it's, he's at well
0: just now twenty
1: eight home runs. He's he's chasing for the home run title. Yeah,
0: it's insane. He'll be participating, as we mentioned earlier, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Carlos Santana from the Cardinals. Of course, more guys still to be named. So uh, we'll I think see. it's uh, how many more is it? Is it usually six total? Is it eight? Six or I believe it's eight. Yeah, and they do like the tournament. I think they they feel like they change the home run derby every they year. Change, yeah, they change the whole logistics and everything. So.
1: It's impressive. I'm impressed with Vlad Guerrero Jr. I mean, he's he's had a shorter MLB run than Pete Alonso, and yeah. what he's been doing. He's been up for what a month and a half. I th- I believe so. Like in if that already already he's making a huge impact. I mean, it's not even because you know Vlad Guerrero Jr. Is just he's been able to do it on his own here, and you know the Blue Jays might not be the best team, but he's the lone one of the lone bright spots on that team.
0: Speaking of making an impact, the Cincinnati Reds lead 6-0 tonight at home against the Chicago Cubs. Yeah. They're a team that's struggling 36-42 and 42 against yeah. a Cubs team fighting for a wild-card spot in the NL Central. But the return of Scooter Jeanette tonight for Cincinnati, one of the elite hitters in the National League last season, finally coming back from a gruesome injury. Great to see him back on the field. Great to see him back in the lineup for the sake of my mm-hmm. fantasy team. Yeah. <laughs> and it's uh all it's that matters, right? Him. Just your fantasy team. Let's end this segment with a fun fact before we get to our MLB player of the week. There is only one active player in the MLB remaining that was born before 1980. Nationals Fernando Rodney, relief pitcher. Now that is a fact. That is a fact. That is real. <laughs> Which I mean, it starts to make you feel old a little bit if you're born before 1980, or even if you're born in, in the 1980s. <laughs> Which, these athletes are getting younger and younger and younger. So, with that being said, let's get to our MLB Player of the Week, Fons. I'd like to start with you, and of course, around the whole league, player that you think has stu- stuck out to you most.
1: Well, uh, last time I was here, I did Charlie Blackman, a hitter. So, I'm going to go with the pitcher this time around, just to switch things up. I'm going to go with Joe Musgrove, pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, two games this week he played. He went two and zero oh and both. Had a point six nine ERA. Now he gave up a lot of hits with fourteen hits, but he only allowed one run. I mean, so I, it, that's fine. You know, you allow all the hits but as long as they don't score in, it's all good. So Musgrove, I'm one of the only pitchers here to play more than one game this week, so he's my <laughs> player of the week.
0: Well, you know, it's not even that bad because he did start two games. So fourteen hits across two games. That's what I'm saying. The number is, is high hits. compared to yeah. the others, but. It, it's all good. Thirteen I like strikeouts pick. too. Nice. I like that pick a lot. Uh mine, I'm gonna go a little different. You went Musgrove in the National League. I'm gonna go American League. I'm gonna go out West. Seattle. JP Crawford. Okay. Twenty four year old. A rookie. He led the ML well, he leads the MLB in hits and RBIs over the last seven games. 11 RBIs. So he's he's my player of the week. He's been impressive for a Seattle team that you know, they haven't really been very good. It's a rebuilding team, but it's one of the lone bright spots they have. That's that's a solid pick. I like it. Yeah, you know, he's a really young guy and honestly, I didn't know much about him before going into this week's show and I looked up his stats. And he's pretty impressive.
1: Now you you have a new fan now.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I believe he is starting tonight for seattle he is he's hitting second 313 average on the season at the shortstop position two home runs 21 rbis on the season so
1: sneaky pickup there sneaky pickup they're up, pick up.
0: up one nothing on the road against houston by the way not bad so that was our player of the week and Fons, while we're here let's just get this out of the way now yes who is your team of the week well, it's going to be the team that we all still don't know how they're doing this.
1: <laughs> it's going to be the Minnesota t- uh, Twins, excuse me, uh, four and two this week, and it's just a, they had one two against uh, excuse me, what team is it? Kansas City Royals. I just want to double check? And then two out of three games they won against Tampa Bay Rays. I still think I mean what they've been doing, and then breaking the home run or on the home run track record. I think they've been very good this year, and this, they've been like this the whole season. So I'm just really impressed with what they're doing.
0: I like your pick, Fonz. I really do. I think they've been a great team to watch this season. They're likely playoff bound. My team of the week? Texas Rangers.
1: Good pick. Another
0: American League team. They're on a five-game winning streak. And in the MLB, those are hard to come by because you pretty much play every day. That is currently the longest active winning streak in the majors at five games. Texas second place in the AL West, just four and a half games behind the Houston Astros. And they've won seven out of their last ten. And I really like what Texas has been able to do this season. They've been able to get, you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of no name pitchers. Lance Lynn and Mike Minor, they're two best pitchers. We were talking about this before the show. Heading into the seventh inning, Lynn has gone six strong, no runs, two hits. Yep. What do you think about that? Insane. No, very seven
1: strikeouts. Very impressive. Again, it's another thing like with the twins and the tech, uh, Texas Rangers. A couple of no name guys that the common person doesn't know. Yeah. And then you have to look up and be like, oh wow, these guys are a lot better than you know, than we thought. So I like your your pick of the week with the
0: Texas Rangers. We got some good solid selections this week on players and teams. We do. And they're up four nothing right now against Tampa Bay on the road, not to mention Tampa Bay a team that's eleven games over five hundred. So that's no uh <laughs> that's no team to sleep on. Yeah. There. It really isn't. But um before we step aside for a quick break here, I wanna remind you when we come back we're actually gonna talk about the NBA draft. So the second hour will be a little different tonight. Majority of the second hour will be devoted towards basketball. We're gonna analyze the draft. We're going to analyze these trades and free agency that's upcoming. I know, Fonz, you actually talk about this a lot on your own podcast. That yeah, you do. so
1: just a, qu- a quick plug here. I have my own podcast, the Slickback Kickback Report. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, wherever your podcasts, wherever you listen to them. Uh, we just recorded one today on the, the free agency moves, and we had our own mock draft. New episodes every
0: Wednesday and Saturday. Again, that's Slickback Kickback Report, wherever you get your podcast. All right, Fonz, thank you very much. We say farewell to our number one. When we come back, our number two, starting out with a recap of this year's NBA draft. You're listening to Review and Preview here on liuwave.org. Good evening and welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Fonz DeFalco here tonight. Hello, everyone. How's everyone's night going? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing, Facebook? Love to have you take part in our live show tonight on liuwave.org, or you can watch us like you're doing now on Facebook if you're there. Questions, comments, thoughts, 516-299-2030 is the number. We look forward to having you join us there. All right, so, Fonz, let's get to the NBA draft that took place this past Thursday. It's been a while since we've been here, so we got to, we got a lot to talk about with this at draft. At the Barclays Center, which yes. is nuts because I was actually at the Barclays Center last night as well working a boxing event, and this draft was crazy. A lot of these kids were there, and it all started out, the number one overall pick, Zion Williamson. Pretty much expected. We kind of knew this
1: way back, even way before the lottery happened. So it was a it was pretty much one of the more expected number one overall picks. Zion is just a you know Kyle, uh, our uh, producer here, wrote in the script, "Incredible Hulk." Uh, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more with him. But actually, another fact here: Williams is Williamson is officially the first player born in the two thousands to be drafted. He was born July six two thousand. Tom, don't you feel old yet? I do. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, when uh, I saw uh, when I saw that, and I saw not just Zion. The other guys that we'll talk about later, majority of them were in the two thousand.
0: Look, Fonz, I'm twenty three, <laughs> and I'm like, listen, I'm twenty four, so I, 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 totally get, I totally get it too. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a little alarming that these guys are going, but these are
1: one and dumb guys. So a lot of them, this is kind of the trend that we've seen for a couple of years now. Uh, you look back, even to when Derrick Rose and Mike Beasley got drafted, they were both freshmen. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Davis and Michael Kidd Gilchrist, I believe, both freshmen. I'm just thinking off the top of my head right now. A lot of the first picks now, you go into youth movement because when you draft juniors and seniors, it's kind of like, all right, you kind of know what they're going to be already. Yeah, With freshmen and sophomores, it's like so much upside. Exactly. So you're going to be seeing this a lot, and then this just ends up leading to like
0: high school, like skipping college, yeah. the one and done rule, just right. getting rid of it and scrapping it. Now Zion, back to Zion, they call him the Incredible Hulk. He averaged 22 points a game. That was second in the ACC, only behind his teammate R.J. Barrett, who we'll get to in a few moments. But Zion, you saw the raw emotion coming out of him and his mother, you know, not expecting to be in this position. I mean, he knew he was probably going number one. I think just when he hears the name finally, he's like, all right. It's processing that moment, that feeling, that you've been waiting for this your whole life. And only a select few can say, I was picked number one overall. In the NBA draft, not yeah. many people can say that Andrew yeah. Bogut can say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's
1: one of That's one of the. That's one of the players. Like, wait, they were first overall. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that that Andrew Bogut Don't taking forget. over Chris Paul and all the Darren Williams oh, and all those guys. Man. but uh, no, with the Zion yeah. thing, he, he's not. He's not going to take this for granted. He's going to go out there and show everybody. All right, I was drafted number one overall, but I haven't done anything yet in the NBA. I mean, you know, he's
0: a good frame, 6'7", 280. Yeah. He's a huge guy. He can bully people inside. I think in order for him to have the same level of of success in the NBA, he needs to shoot the ball a little better. Develop
1: more of a jumper in the NBA. Yeah,
0: he was working on that at Duke. You saw shades of that. He missed a good portion of the second half of the season. But he had good teammates, good veterans that were there to help him at Duke, and now he heads to a uh, Pelicans team that features a bunch of ex-Lakers and Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. We'll see if they re-sign Julius Randle. I know he's unrestricted. Yeah, I, th- I think he I think he opted out, and I
1: think my we'll talk free agency later. But I think what my prediction with that is, you know, they they brought in Zion. He's going to
0: probably take the power forward yeah. or whatever. They'll probably let Julius Randle walk. He'll probably get paid a lot more somewhere else. Let's get to number two, John ja Morant. Murray State again. A lot of people didn't know of this guy until the NCAA tournament, when the 12 seed Murray State team took down Marquette, Yes, popular 5-12 upstate upset. Morant was fantastic. This is a good team to take Morant because the Mike Conley trade to Utah this set this draft pick. You up know, even before Morant. we thought, you know, I mean, we also
1: knew John Morant would be number two no matter what team lands uh, landed the second pick. But and then when Memphis came, around, I was like, oh. Maybe they'll draft him and they'll eventually trade Conley after like a year or two, but they just traded him straight up way before. We we all expected because I thought it'd be like a midseason trader right. after one yeah. year. But now, but after that's like all right, Morant's gonna be the clear cut starter. They're gonna give him the keys to the franchise. He's gonna run with it. Him and Jaron Jackson Jr. I like that young that quarter backcourt. they
0: have there. That's that's really I, I like that. And don't forget, you got Grayson Allen. Oh yeah, they trade. Well, the, oh, then who that whole trade probably to, come off the bench and he Jay Crowder too. Jay Crowder, so Kyle Korver. Mm-hmm. And Jonas Valanciunas. We'll get to that, it's too. We'll, we'll Toronto, get more into free and later. Yeah. Number three, you Knick fans, you got your wishes. You got to win. The Knicks select R.J. Barrett, Duke University. Thank goodness, Fonz. This man led the ACC in scoring just around 23 points a game. An excellent shooter, a combo guard forward, and this guy – is going to light it up in the NBA. He's fantastic. Yeah, and you know the back you know,
1: me being a Knicks fan, in the back of my head, I'm
0: like, oh, they're gonna mess this up and take some other
1: player that we never heard of, but they went with their they went with what everyone wanted. Again, we've seen that the first two picks sometimes are always guaranteed, but you never really see the third pick pretty much guaranteed. And now RJ Barrett, people forget when he came out of high school, he was projected to be the number one pick in 2019. Dropping down two spots, it's not the worst I'm just happy that he is a New York Knicks and he's wanted to be here, and he's always been a Knicks fan. So if he wants to be here and he can score the ball, let him be the star for the New York Knicks. R.J. Barrett, I'd like to officially welcome you to the New York
0: Knicks. Yes, fantastic. Love this R.J. Barrett pick. Number four, this is where it got a little a little interesting. Because we knew the top
1: three Yeah, this is where it gets. You didn't know who
0: was going to go next. It went to DeAndre Hunter to Virginia via the Anthony Davis trade. He will be heading to the Hawks. The pick was made by the Lakers, though, at number four. Then it went to the
1: Pelicans, then the
0: Hawks. There's a whole whole bunch of uh, moves. This guy is an excellent defender. He could defend anybody in this league, I think. 15 points a game at Virginia. He only played two years, but I like DeAndre Hunter a lot. Part of a national championship squad that featured him, Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, Jack Salt. Yeah, Diakite, I mean, this was a great team with great players, a lot of veteran players, and he should be a fun player to watch on the Hawks. Number five, Darius Garland out of Vanderbilt to the Cavs. He only played a few games at Vanderbilt, but he that did enough. It only five games, five, six, a very low amount of games. Yeah, yeah. and he's going to join a backcourt that features Colin Sexton in Cleveland, and if they bring Kevin Love back, that should be a pretty good team. Now, Fonz, my question is this. Do you see a potential Portland Trailblazers effect here where these two try to become the next Lillard and McCollum? You know what? That, that's funny because at the on um, draft night, uh,
1: I don't know who said it, but they kind of compared it that if Cleveland can develop this right, you can see Sexton and Garland do the McCollum-Lillard role where who plays point guard, who plays shooting guard, they can swap back and forth. I think they could. They could. I mean, they need to maybe build a little bit more around, and we'll see what happens with the Kevin Love situation. And they, have, they brought other guys into the draft who we'll talk about down the line. But they can could be the trailblazers of the
0: East as yeah. far as that backcourt. Number six overall, pick was made by the Suns, but it will likely be headed towards Minnesota, Jarek Culver, Texas Tech. This was in exchange for Dario Saric and Cameron Johnson, number 11 overall. So... Culver will be going to the Suns, right? A Culver be, or will be going to Minnesota.
1: Well, you're going to Minnesota. Now, I'll say this. I wasn't. A f- I mean, I did like Culver going to the Suns. I think the Suns really needed to draft a point guard here, and I think they should have went with him mean, since Garland was gone. Take Kobe White. They've been a team where they have players like DeAndre and Devin Booker, but the point guard spot has just been a rotation at the rotation ever since Goran Dragic, Bledsoe, and they had Isaiah Thomas, people forget. They had that solid. Point guard rotation, and they just let them all go. And since then, they've had so many point guards. And I thought they finally should get it now with Kobe White
0: or Darius Garland in this draft, and they failed to do it. This was the first questionable pick of the draft, and then as the following pick fell into the Bulls' lap number seven with Kobe White. The the,
1: Bull, the Bulls were
0: were so happy that the Kobe White landed there. He
1: can definitely run an offense. I think the Bulls are going with a nice youth movement. You got him, Zach Levine, who can now play the shooting guard. I think he's better as a shooting guard there. You also have Laurie Marker in. Excuse apologize if I didn't get his name right. And you got Wendell Carter Jr. So yeah, overall the Chicago Bulls did really well here. They they're probably more than happy that this happened. Do we have a
0: we have a call here, Tom? Yes, Fons, we do in fact have another caller. Caller, please state your name and where you are from.
3: My name is Justin Moore and I'm from New York, New York.
0: Hear that, Fonz? Yes, I can hear it. Yeah, we're good. We're good. So me and Justin played basketball together growing up. Oh, nice. Yeah, and Justin, great to have you here on the call. And what is your uh, – do you have any questions here you want to ask us on the show?
3: No, I'm just very happy that I'm, fu- I'm on the show and just uh, being with you guys this evening. And uh, I'm really fo- looking forward to uh, – speaking about uh, the NBA and other things. And, uh, yeah, let's just get this show on the road. I'm happy to be here.
0: So, you know, the Knicks finally take R.J. Barrett. We know you're a Knicks fan, so we'll backtrack for just a minute. Yeah, that's fine. What are we'll your... talk more about the Knicks. <laughs> yeah. So what are your thoughts on this pick? Uh, you know, because I know a lot of fans are pulling for Zion. But number three, this might actually be a blessing in disguise in R.J.
3: You know, uh, I was disappointed that Knicks didn't get number one, but uh, my heart was – on Zion, but I'm very happy that the Knicks fell to three to get R.J. You know, R.J. really didn't get credit where it's due when they uh, were at Duke, and the spotlight was always on Zion, but no one really que- questioned how good R.J. really is, and he has such a high potential, and especially under the bright lights in New York, I think that he will fit in just fine, and with Dennis Smith Jr., who is still there next year, right. I think, and Alonzo Trier, R.J. Barrett and Dennis Smith Jr., those three players, will look very promising for New York.
0: Now, also heading to New York, Ignas Brasdikas, the second-round pick. Yes. He had 15 points a game as a freshman out of the Big Ten, which is fantastic, Justin. And What are your thoughts on him, and do you like this trade? Because I know the original pick was Kyle Guy. I know Fonz was kind of looking forward to seeing what Kyle yeah, Guy no, could do Yeah, no, definitely with, was when they, when they drafted yeah, him. But. The trade to Sacramento, do you think this pick with Brasdikas Justin was a steal for the Knicks at all?
3: I I thought it was very well. I I thought that the Knicks were going to keep Kyle Guy. Um, I like Ignis. I really didn't watch him much when he was in Michigan, but uh, just watching his highlights, he in draft, and seeing such a threat that he is on the perimeter, he I would think he's a draft steal. I thought honestly, that just watching him uh, when he got drafted from uh, his highlights, I actually thought that he was going to fall into the top of the second round. I thought he was a way higher draft pick, but the fact that he fell to they next got him at 45, right?
0: Guy, I think he was 47. Guy was 55, I believe. Brezdicus was 47.
3: Yes, yes, yes.
0: Yeah, Kyle Guy was 55. Yeah, close enough, though.
3: Yeah, I, I thought that was a steal, and I think the Knicks really needed a guy that could be a perimeter threat that's very, very tall and lanky, and the Knicks has been needing that for a while. I think they've really gotten that since they've lost Tim Hardaway Jr. So now they got someone that's young, and uh, I think that he has a bright future with RJ, and I think under Fizz that he's going to learn a lot.
0: Now, do you think there's anybody in particular that the Knicks should target in free agency this upcoming offseason now I know injuries kind of may possibly put a hole in this plan but what would you say is the route here if you're the Knicks
3: if I were the Knicks I honestly will look for veteran leadership they already have Lance Thomas there but if you look at the Knicks roster they really don't have anyone else that can be that guy in the locker room these young guys can rely on Mm I think that a good player to go after is obviously Kyrie Irving, coming from St. Patrick's in New Jersey and Mm -hmm. always wanted to... He loves playing in New York and he always has a really big game there. I think Kyrie Irving is the first person that they should go after. And um, I wouldn't mind seeing also someone like Nikola Vucevic Mm. as well because the Knicks really need... A guy that can average a double-double consistently, especially for a big man. Because if you look at New York right now, they're going to lose DeAndre Jordan to free agency. I don't think he's going to be coming back. I think that they should look at a player like Nikola Vucevic, Kyrie Irving. I think um, Julius Randle is another guy I think the Knicks should look after. Um, I think they're stocked up on guards. Uh, I see Brook Lopez possibly coming to New York, and maybe JJ Redick as well for veteran leadership.
1: Yeah, Funds, you're shaking your head there. Well, I mean, I I like the other guys mentioned, like JJ Redick, and to, for veteran leadership. I just think with Vucevic, I don't know if you want to give that much money because they probably will, and he's going to get paid somewhere. I just think with what, I don't know if the Knicks want to give that much money for a center like that. I mean, I personally, this is my opinion. I told Thomas before. I think Mitch Robinson is going to be a star. I might be going. I might be talking crazy here, because I think he has the potential to be a double double machine that can also block shots. So I think if you want to, I think they should. I hate to say it, tank a little, tank again, and go back into the lottery again for potentially another, another number one overall pick. But let Mitch Robinson, Kevin Knox, and R.J. Barrett let the young guys go in. Maybe get a veteran here or there, but I, I, I'm not sure what to what to do. Now, I think the Kevin Durant injury kind of throws everybody off really here. That's just I, my opinion.
3: I agree with you. And is it wrong to say that I completely forgot about Mitchell Robinson and Kevin Knox?
1: You know what? Honestly, yeah. I mean, I think, you know what? I almost forgot about Kevin Knox. I just think that Mitch Robinson, I just, I really think that he has the potential to be really good. A second round steal for them. And he showed at times that he's going to be an an athletic, a freak athlete. Right. And give him time. Let him develop, and that's why I think they should let DeAndre Jordan go. Well, he probably would go regardless, but
0: they should make an effort to keep him around. Justin, before I don't mean to cut you off here, uh, this is Review and Preview here. We are interviewing Justin Moore, our caller. Now, Justin, there's this philosophy that the Knicks should wait till 2020 free agency, especially with f- what Fonz was saying earlier. I hate to – I know we'll talk about that more later on in the show tonight. Yeah, but, I know. We've got a lot of free agent talk now. <laughs> yeah. Justin, that that is a – common trend but um another question i actually have for you uh a local new york kid that was selected in this draft by the boston celtics at number 24 ty jerome this pick was traded to the phoenix suns he'll be headed to phoenix along with aaron baines uh a big man off the bench for boston but ty jerome justin born in new york city near you you guys trained together at riverside with you actually trained under ty's dad correct
3: Yes, uh, Coach Jerome was my AAU coach when I played for the Riverside Hawks when uh, I played 17U and 16U there. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just a pleasure, honestly, learning from under him. And he was Mm -hmm. such a great coach and also just a great father to Ty. And he really treated uh, all of us just like his sons at Riverside. And um, I was very blessed with the opportunity to actually go head-to-head with Ty throughout throughout me being in high school.
0: And, um, that's crazy. We, I,
3: I loved going against them every day. I wish that we developed a relationship that was more communicate, more, more communication based, excuse me. But it was always, uh, I go to Riverside to work with his dad, and he, he would just come up last minute saying, Hey, Justin, my son Ty is going to join us working out. You two are going to go head to head to get your, get both of you better. And that's awesome. And, and when I used to go at it, and, um, He was a big reason why I've gotten so much better with playing basketball. And just seeing him get drafted and uh, going to Phoenix and learning so much down there, what's going on in Phoenix. He's going to be playing with DeAndre and and Devin Booker, especially. I think that he's going to thrive in Phoenix. I know it's completely different than New York City. I know his dad's kind of bummed that he's not local. But um, yeah. the Jerome family is going to be looking very promising. And uh, his younger brother, Kobe, is looking pretty good as well. Yeah. And we're just seeing where his journey goes.
0: Now, yeah, Justin, Ty actually led the ACC this year, over five assists a game. in the ACC, a conference that produced ten first-round picks in this year's NBA draft. Now, Jerome's actually an interesting story. Uh, he moved to Westchester with his mother, went to Iona Prep High School, in New Rochelle played against former Notre Dame and now Vanderbilt swingman Matt Ryan. Yeah. And Justin, Tony Bennett, actually, he kept running into Jerome. I know we were talking about this a little bit earlier today. Uh, Tony Bennett out of Virginia, he was looking to recruit other guys. He really wasn't looking to recruit Ty Jerome. He saw him once was like, okay, this guy's pretty good, but I'm going to keep looking. And then he just ran into him again. And then, Bennett offered him a, a scholarship actually the only ACC school to do so
3: yeah it's just fantastic how much of a hard worker he is every single day I cannot tell you Thomas that he would be in the gym and uh, when he was at a Prep he actually played with one of my one of my friends and actually the same AAU teammate because we all were together right. and uh, he he's such a hard working guy mm-hmm. and uh the fact that Tony he got Tony Bennett's attention and Tony Bennett was looking at um, other players it it's just just says something about him. His personality ever since I was growing up with him. Hard working guy and they keep repeating that because he this moment for him and his family, it's it was it's worth it for him mm-hmm. and just to see him where he's going into the NBA right. perfect I think he's the perfect fit for Enix. Yeah. It's just he, I absolutely think that he will be an all NBA all rookie by the end of the season next season. Look at that. Look at that.
1: Bring a straight
0: take on here. I don't necessarily disagree with that because Phoenix, who is their point guard right now? Yeah, who is I, no one. I talked about it earlier. Maybe Jerome. Yeah, no, I talked
1: about it earlier. I thought they missed out on getting a top point guard, and they like they went through a slew of point guards. Maybe Ty Jerome will end up being that solves the problem. He's for a them. bigger
0: point guard. He played for one of the best defensive schools in the nation in Virginia. Maybe He's I was a wrong. Maybe they didn't three mess up this draft. Shooter, gets rebounds, gets assists. Justin, any final thoughts on Jerome here?
3: I'm just saying again, I'm repeating, he's a hard-working guy. And I think that now he's going to solidify that spot at the point guard there. With leadership from Booker and somewhat leadership from Aiton, just to get himself comfortable in Phoenix, I really see him thriving in the system down there. Phoenix is trying to go young. And I I think that Ty Jerome is really going to fit of what's going on down there. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Don't get yeah, me wrong, the
1: West, West. Is it's a tough wet. Well, it is wide open now with the Warriors kind of injured and the, the, you don't know what the Lake. is. It, it, it's tough. It's wide open, I feel like. But yeah. They could be I on the with rise.
3: Memphis, I think with Memphis in the total rebuild, and I think Phoenix will definitely be at least in the 11-12 range. I wouldn't think they're going to fall back down to second to last or 15. I think they'll improve. With Ty being there, but I just don't see them making the playoffs. I yeah. really Well he's a winner. So Yeah. I think I just think Phoenix went right on this one.
1: Potential yeah. all rookie team selection here.
0: What Justin, uh thank you very much for calling into our show tonight.
3: No, no problem. I have the pleasure of being here tonight.
0: Any final thoughts
3: here before we let you go? Let's just hope the Knicks can get someone really, really good.
0: <laughs> of course. You and me both. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Justin, when we have some more time, we hope you can call again soon as we uh, get more heavy into the NBA offseason.
3: Absolutely. I'd love to come back. Have thank a good you, night Justin. both
0: of you. All right, Justin, thank no you very much. That was Justin Moore from New York City. I know he talked for a while about Jerome, but th- this was no, a relationship. Yeah, you got,
1: you've, I mean, you've been talking about him, too. I mean, I'm glad to – I didn't, I didn't and, know. A, a New Yorker.
0: Yeah. And what was even more insane, he watched the draft at his Westchester home with yeah, his family. you are telling me that, too. And his parents. He didn't go to Brooklyn. And Brooklyn, he was probably the closest person to Brooklyn geographically over any other player that was He could have been invited. I think, right? Yeah. He could have easily been there. Justin had the take. Oh, jo- Justin did have some hot what takes. What a take about, right there. About uh, Justin. He had some definitely hot takes about take, Ty Jerome. Take of the – I Look, like it. I, I might have a hot take here. He's Phoenix's starting point guard night one. I I wouldn't – no. I mean, yeah, probably.
1: I mean, who, they went through so many point guards to the G League and yeah. Tyler Johnson, and, and I thought they messed up by missing
0: out on Kobe White. Maybe Ty Jerome was the better fit for them. He was the second Virginia Cavalier to be taken in that draft. Two Cavs went in the first round. His teammate Jack Salt at Virginia will be on the Phoenix NBA summer team along with him. Interesting fact. But so far we talked about the first seven picks. Let's get through the lottery picks here, and then we'll take a quick break. Yes. Eight, Jackson Hayes. The Hawks are in discussions to deal him to the Pelicans. And I like this. Uh, We'll quickly with Jackson Hayes a little bit. You weren't sure what his college. He had
1: two blocks a game, ten points, only five rebounds. 19 years old, Texas, right? Texas, yes. Yeah. And uh, you're not sure he, he, but he has a lot of upside. A lot of scouts are saying he does have upside and pairing him if it's the trade officially goes through cuz we're not sure yet it goes to right. New Orleans. Yeah. Him and Zion, that's going to be a a ridiculous front court. Whoever plays well, cuz uh, Jackson could also play the power forward spot. Mm-hmm. Zion could play the power forward, but that
0: that's a nice young front court right there. Yeah. I like that pick a lot for that. Number 9. Rue Hachimura from Gonzaga, the first Japanese-born player to be selected in the NBA draft.
1: Yeah, I mean, all a uh, veteran, a
0: little bit up there
1: in uh, age. Well, tw- up there in age of twenty-one, one of the older players in the draft. Uh, had a decent senior year, averaged close to twenty points a game, six rebounds, two assists. Uh, good shooter from the yeah. three-point line and reg- and regular field goal percentage for sure. Uh, g- Interesting pick, by the way. I mean, not interesting, but I mean, yeah. is the wizard in a complete rebuild,
0: and this is probably the guy yeah, exactly. that you're going to start building around <laughs>
1: because you don't know what John Wall and Bradley Beal,
0: you don't know if he's going to get traded or not. Yeah. So it's a good starting point to build around. I'd agree. Now, 10, Cam Reddish, Duke, Hawks, third Duke player, top 10. I think Reddish should have went a little, a little lower, actually. I think his stock kind of fell off. He wasn't as good of a sh- Maybe he was just being overshadowed by I Zion so, there.
1: The third guy kind of forgotten in that the big three in Duke, you could say. I mean, at one point he was the top, he was on ESPN's uh, high school ranking number three. Yeah. So he, you know, that he has the talent. Uh, it again, got overshadowed by Zion and RJ Barrett. But I like what the Hawks did. I did like that. I mean, pairing him with Trey Young and John Collins, and and now with uh, DeAndre Hunter. Yeah. That's a pretty nice young core, and in the Eastern I'd Conference, I'm not saying playoff team, but East Conference. You can
0: sneak up in there, maybe. I like what the Hawks are doing. Yeah, overall, I do like what the Hawks are doing. Uh, We'll breeze through the remaining lottery picks here. Timberwolves take Cameron Johnson, who's likely headed to Phoenix. The Hornets at 12. Take P.J. Washington out of Kentucky. Make it back-to-back because 13, the Miami Heat. Take Tyler Hero, second straight Wildcat. Now, you thought he might have been going to Boston. In your mock draft, you had him at Boston. Yeah, I had him at at Boston because, I mean, He's a good player. I thought he would have been a nice better
1: as a in a role with a team like the Celtics who had multiple first round picks. Yeah. Uh the Heat have only one pick here and they're looking for an identity and it's kind of a they you really can't get anybody maybe at 13. You're not sure right now. Right. Maybe he'll end up working out. But I think the Heat were Heat maybe. fans are more than like I kind of wish we went in another
0: direction this here. That's true. And then 14 the Celtics take Romeo Langford from Indiana. Ten ACC guys go in round one. The first international player did not go until number 15, Saku Dumboya, out of France.
1: Yeah, in- interesting prospect here. I mean, this guy was kind of virtually unknown until yeah. scouting season came about towards the tournament. I mean, he didn't play in the tournament, but um, when they do the he scouting. He went to Detroit, right? 15- he went to Detroit, yes. Yeah. He went 15th to Detroit. Uh, I, th- I actually had him a little bit higher in my mock draft. I thought like a team... Like the the Timberwolves would draft him. Mm-hmm. He's a power forward, and have Taj Gibson come back. Yeah, and then eventually put him in the starting lineup. He's one of the youngest players in the draft right now. I think he's eighteen now. He's not going to turn nineteen Correct. till December. Yeah, which is I mean, he didn't average I think only like six points in Euro League, which is a lot of the Euro guys are very. The draft is a gamble overall, but
0: this the international players are a big gamble. There were a couple other surprises: Fonz, Nasir Little. Going to Portland, he dropped to, I want to say, number 26. Yeah, dropped at 25 to Portland. 25. And then Dylan Windler to Cleveland snuck in the back end of the first round out of Belmont. Yeah. Nuts, it, right? Interesting pick with, the, with well, what Cleveland did overall. They kind of already got their
1: guy with, uh, I just forgot, Darius Garland. So yeah. they could have afforded to pick someone else a little bit out there. Not a lot of guys, not a lot of scouts really had Dylan Windler. In the back half of the
0: first round. Although Belmont should have beaten Maryland in the round of 64 this well, year. Well, yeah. They, they, no, but he did show in that he. Fantastic player. Yeah. Good build. Swingman.
1: A guy Cleveland could use. Yeah, no. I mean, you know, he isn't. And this, when you look at the back half of the first round or second round, they don't need to be stars. They don't need to average 20 a night. You put him in a role, put him as a maybe six man backup. Help your team win. Start a little bit if someone's yeah. injured. I, I like what Cleveland
0: did with that pick also. So. Other guys, the Bucks send Tony Snell and the number 30 overall pick Kevin Porter Jr. to the Pistons for John Lohr. I don't think John Lohr has this much value at the expense for Snell and Kevin Porter Jr. Yeah, I mean, I what like your take on, takes yeah, on that. Well,
1: well, Kevin Porter, people, I think people way in the beginning of the year that they had Kevin Porter as a lottery pick, potentially top 10. But uh, off-court issues and maturity questions kind of had him falling here. Yeah. But he goes to a team like Cleveland who already had two first-round—well, Milwaukee, but traded Detroit, and then now he's later traded to Cleveland. So that means Cleveland has three first-round picks in their roster. You're not looking for Porter to be the full-time starter here. You can kind of back up Garland and Sexton. I, I overall like what Cleveland did here. Porter Jr. can grows up a little bit in the NBA, if that's the right word. I think he could be a really solid player and yeah. show, like, wow, like he really was worth that lottery pick. So, I, overall, if we're talking about who had the best draft here, I would. it's between the Hawks and the Cavaliers. Given the edge of the Cavaliers, given to what they did, drafting Porter Jr. and Dylan Windler with the Not second. the Pelicans for taking Zion. Well, that's kind of obvious. I kinda wanna kind of want to go a little different yeah, with this, you, different, know? you know? I,
0: I mean, like d- Pelicans are number one. We'll do a star with the Cavaliers. Other notable picks, just to breeze through here, Warriors get Jordan Poole out of Michigan, Eric Paskell out of Nova, Villanova, and Smolajic. The Heat? take Bol at 44 in the second round. He falls that low. That pick was traded to Denver, the Nuggets. Why so late? I, th- I
1: think it's really kind of just the way the NBA is now. You know, you kind of want the small ball. Uh, there's no, I mean, there's no question when when Bol played, I think it was only a few games. He was really good. He could shoot the three, block shots. Yeah. 20 and 10 and two blocks a game I think around that Oregon duck guy yes. yeah but I think it was the health concerns and the knee injuries especially when you're what what's his height exactly now 72 seven 72 that's that's at that point where you're like ah oh, I don't know if you can do especially with that frame this is not a modern day frame Yeah I thought a team in the lottery and a lottery team late in the first round that already has a lot of depth at the power forward center position this is a project put him in the D, in the G League when Miami took him I was like oh that's interesting but then they trade him to Denver. I like yeah. where, I like him going to Denver. He doesn't have to start right away. He can play behind Paul Millsap and Nikola Vucevic and even send him down to the G League just to develop fully. Yeah. So I, I think I like what the Nuggets did
0: trading back into the draft for Bowl Bowl. The Brooklyn Nets trade Alan Crabb and two first-round picks, one of them Nikhil Alexander-Walker, to Atlanta for Torian Prince, a 2021 second-round pick. This could potentially create two max slots for Brooklyn talked about the Knicks and what they did Brooklyn they get the first pick of the second round in Claxton out of Georgia yeah good pick a big guy who could back up Jared Allen yeah and he had a lot of talks of him being in the 20s yeah for the first round it's a good a good selection there for the Brooklyn Nets and then Brooklyn dealt the number 27 pick to the Clippers for a 2020 first round pick and number 56 overall Jalen Hands out of UCLA uh, you know, th- So those are their two draft picks. And then Justin Wright Foreman, right down the road at Hofstra University, selected by the Utah Jazz, 53rd overall in the second round. Congrats, another local New York guy. Yeah, I think this is the—when uh, was the last time a Hofstra guy got drafted in the NBA? No, I really have no idea. This a, guy averaged like 27 points
1: a game. Abs- yeah, yeah like no, he fantastic. was a beast. Yeah, But then, I mean, to be drafted even that late, I mean, it's just— didn't come from you know a school like Kentucky or uh, Kansas, but I mean, yeah, yeah twenty seven points a game. This is this was crazy, but good for him. Could develop into a nice role player for the Utah Jazz, who have a lot. I mean, a lot of consistency in the starting lineup, but like a lack a little bit in the bench department. Yes, I definitely
0: think he could help them out, and it's good to see a local guy get drafted into the NBA. So before we step aside for a quick break here, we talked about the winners. Who do you think? Is there a loser of this draft? Uh, I mean, you can. I
1: mean, I've talked about the heat with that pick, but it's also the 13th selection, so it's kind of like I wouldn't say necessarily a loser. I mean, you could also say the Suns. I know Ty Jerome, you guys are all high on him. (laughs) Uh, He could be good, but I think if you had a chance to get a guy like Kobe White or even maybe move up to get Darius Garland to develop their point guard spot, think that would have been something you should have rather done i agree but i, agree. I would i would say that there's no clear yet i think you kind of to have to wait a little bit but
0: right now off the top of my head i'd say either the miami heat or phoenix suns it should have been kobe white i think phoenix realized oh we might have slipped so let's trade for jerome because he's the next best guy available the best point guard left yeah because after it was uh morant garland kobe white you could flip flop the two and then nothing
1: after for a while
0: yeah i'd and agree tied Jerome basically good segment funds on that note, we're going to step aside for a quick break. When we come back, we will talk some NBA free agency. You're listening to Review and Preview here on LIUWAVE.org. Good evening. And welcome back to Review and Preview. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined by Fonz DeFalco here on liuwave.org. That is right. All these rookies are doing the walk of life.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. Thank you again for having me. I'll say it again. Really enjoying my time here for the second show in a
0: row. Pleasure to have you here, Fonz. And, of course, you can call in tonight with your questions, thoughts, comments. 516-299-2030 is the number. Now, Fon's NBA free agency, of course, Anthony Davis traded a couple of days before the draft. Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, three first-round picks. Crazy. Lakers also clean house, trading Mo Wagner, Jermario Jones, and Isaac Bonga to create $32 million in cap space, enough to add a max player. And LeBron James gifts Anthony Davis with number 23. He'll go back to wearing number six. Now is it confirmed that he's wearing number six? is kind of, Maybe it could be pretty much certain. Yeah. He's worn it
1: the heat. He wore it when he was with Team USA. It's kind of it's a, a given there. It's crazy to think that that's the number third uh, biggest free agent uh, news for the Los Angeles Lakers right now is the
0: who, what number will LeBron James wear? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's pretty crazy, too, because Utah, of course, cleaning house a little bit, getting – Disposing Corver, Allen, Cratter, and two first-round picks, including number 23 overall, Darius Baisley, who came straight out of, out of high school. right? Yeah,
1: well, it, the, so the quick story with Bazley prep year kind of. Yeah, he went. He went to Princeton uh, High School in Ohio. Was one of the ranked the top basketball players. Was going to go to Syracuse, decided not to. Was going to go to the G League instead. The NBA's minor league affiliate. You know, a lot of players have been doing that now. Either going overseas or whatever after high school because you need that one year, right? decided to end up not doing that at all, to just train on his own. He signed with Rich Paul and Clutch Sports, Lebron, LeBron's agent also, took a one-year internship at New Balance, I believe for a million or something around that, and all he did there was just train. Nice. So that's a that's a project <laughs> that, that – it's a project for the – well, now he's in the Thunder they can develop, probably won't be playing right away. He'll probably end up back in the G League, sending in the, those deals
0: that you'll exclusively play in the G League. Right. Now, Fonz, it's just it's interesting here because another move that was made this week, actually, Evan Turner was traded from Portland to Atlanta in exchange for Kent Bazemore. So I guess Atlanta may be looking to add a veteran like Turner with all these young players involved. Yeah, the t- Turner's been around the, uh, the league for a while now, bouncing
1: between the Sixers, Pacers, and I believe, well, the Celtics too, and the Trailblazers, Uh solid two-way guard, never really lived up to the number two selection, but he's always been a decent role player, player wherever he has played, and it, it helps, it can help with the, the veteran presence, could help the young players that the Hawks have, and Tom, the Hawks have a lot of young talent they on do. this roster, it's so crazy. I think I think it's a good trade for them. And Ken Fazmore, it'll give the Blazers a nice option off the bench as a play either shooting guard or small forward. Well, the
0: scoring and shooting will be better with Bazemore over Turner. Turner was more of oh, a yeah, defender Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, rebounder. definitely can help. Yeah. I think
1: they lacked that one step. If Lillard or McCollum couldn't get it done, right, they were kind of missing someone. They had, like, Al Farouk Aminu, who didn't, doesn't shoot. Yeah.
0: Evan Turner was not a shooter. Kent Bazemore will help them in that department with the it's backup. Portland needs to worry about Al Farouk Aminu, Seth Curry, and Rodney Hood. Those are their three major remaining free agents because yes. they locked up Stotts, Lillard. Yeah. McCollum and they gave Jake Lehman his tender, so he'll be a restricted free agent. Then, he'll, know, he'll, he'll go back. to And form. then also, uh, even Canter, if they
1: yeah. if they want to, you know,
0: b- 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 uh, boost up their
1: backcourt. Or I not, like b- Myers
0: court. Leonard as their backup center.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I really he's,
0: do. He's a scorer, and Zach Collins has established himself as. Yeah, that's also could be future a future I mean, of this team.
1: Myers Leonard, I, you know, it, it's one of those things. He was drafted the same year as Damian Lillard, eleventh overall, and they thought both of them would be like the star, the the combo one-two punch. Lillard obviously has worked out myers Leonard's been good, but not living up. Never lived up to that number eleven slot, but still a decent backup for them. So I I, I agree. He'll probably stick around there. Maybe they'll let Cancer walk, have uh, Collins, and the uh, I just I just blanked out on his name. Collins and Leonard as yeah. the backup or the starting center spot.
0: Now, well, of course, with Joseph Nurkic's injury, we don't know how well, what's going to happen. Another guy I Portland. forgot too. Yeah, forgot about him. So. Kevin Durant. Let's jump to free agency. He declines his option. My thing is, can the Bulls possibly jump in the mix because the Bulls were just relieved of Omer Asik's contract? Finally, years later, freed up three million in cap space.
1: Yeah, back when when Omer Asik signed a few years back, it was it, it was one of those things where wow, that's a big contract. How are they ever going to free him up? They finally be able to do it. Tom, that's an interesting point with the bull. I didn't really think of that. I mean, they just released that he has four teams in mind: Knicks, Nets, Warriors, and Clippers. That's a good point. I didn't think the Bulls would be in the mix, but now they kind of realize they have a lot of rookie scale guys with Laurie McEnin. Uh I keep pronouncing his name wrong. Zach Levine is a, is up only the one that's really pricey. Kobe White now and Lendo Carter on rookie deals. So I think that's a, I like
0: that underrated funds. We actually do have a. Caller at this time. Caller, please state your name and where you are from.
5: Hey, guys. It's Johnny in Myrtle Beach. How you doing?
0: Not too bad, Johnny. Yourself, fun. Johnny was the first-ever host of Review and Preview. Oh, Three wow. Ple- pleasure to meet you.
5: Oh, hey, Von, How are you? I think it's the first time I'm, uh, I'm hearing you. Uh, I've been listening all show. You're doing a great job.
1: I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. So
5: Yeah, absolutely. The uh, show's turning uh, eight years old in September. It's, it's uh I started it with uh, two other guys in September of 2011, and, uh, you know, things have, they moved on, and then I got some other guys that came in, and then uh, four years into the show, I moved down here to Myrtle Beach, and uh, I think, Tom, you were, you were part of the show, or at least were uh, watching, and then you took over, something like that, and as they say, the sh- uh, rest of history shows, shows still going on.
0: That's right, the show must go on. Now, Johnny, Absolutely. big Knicks fan, of course, and with free agency, Durant declines his option. Now, there's a lot of concern that the Knicks might not end up getting anybody of significant notice. What are your thoughts on Durant and other free agents they might go after?
5: Well, in the beginning, I have to say, I will, you know I was
0: really pushing hard for Durant, and I was pushing
5: really, not even really for Kyrie, but I was pushing for Durant and another, another star to come here but after this injury to uh, Durant as you know I'm a dire Knicks fan the best thing the Knicks can do right now is not find anybody and just if you want to bring in a couple low level guys that's fine but do not, but I'm not paying max money to Durant right now with this injury the fact that he's not going to play next year right? and the worst thing the Knicks can do right now is go out and spend max money on a mid-tier free agent yeah. The big guys out there right now, I mean, listen, I would love Kawhi Leonard, but I, I'm going to be realistic. I don't think he's coming here. I do not want Kyrie Irving here. I am, I've never been a big fan of his. He, all the reports are saying that he's going to go to Brooklyn. The Nets can have him. That's fine. I, I wouldn't go anywhere near him, and you can't go near Durant. I, the only bit of hesitation I had, even with Durant, was the fact that he's 31 years old. Now, I get that he's been unbelievable, but, and I'm not trying to compare this to him, but you remember the last time the Knicks gave a four-year, and this would be more than a four-year contract, but the last time the Knicks gave a big contract to an over-30-year-old player mm-hmm. was Joe Kim Noah, and we all know whether that happens. You don't give big time, you don't, I don't care who it is, you don't give anybody over 30 in the NBA that kind of contract.
4: 100%. I understand Durant,
5: a whole totally different player. And again, I'm not trying to compare Noah and Durant. I'm just comparing them in terms of their age. Mm-hmm. But you can't go out there and give Durant coming off this injury because you don't know what he's going to be coming back from this the following year. He'll be 32 years old. You know, right. 32 years old in the NBA is old. Very few players can still put up dominant numbers at 32 years old.
0: Well, yeah, especially with the way. So
5: these I think kids the best thing now. How yeah. So are. honestly, the best. The best thing the Knicks can do right now is just stand pat. If you want to bring a couple, I think uh, you were bringing it up earlier, if you want to bring in a couple of uh, veterans on one year deals, that would be fine. And then maybe you can even ship that out at the deadline mm-hmm. for a couple of other uh, pieces as well. But let's also remember one other thing here, too. And this was, and not many people bring this up, but let's say, Kyrie, or let's say that Kyrie goes to the Nets. Let's say that Kawhi Leonard goes back to Toronto, which I think is what's going to happen. I think, I think Ka- yeah. Kawhi is going to go back to Toronto, and I think, Ka- and I think Kyrie is going to go to uh, Brooklyn. The Eastern Conference is very good now. You know, back a couple of years ago when the Knicks were really struggling, the East was really Cleveland. When LeBron was there, it was Cleveland, and then there was everybody else. Now you've got Milwaukee, Brooklyn. It's Kawhi stays in Toronto, Toronto, Philadelphia. Uh, you got got uh, several teams that would be above the Knicks to begin with. Yeah.
0: Well, we'll see what Jimmy Butler does. I'm not too sure what he's going to do. Fonz, you know, I think he was your top shooting guard on your list.
1: Yeah, I, with Jimmy Butler, it's interesting. I mean, he's contributed wherever he's played, but I think it's just the problem is that his being a teammate, a lot of teammates, he does he clashes with a lot of people. I know there's been talks with him going to the Rockets, but – I can't see that hard and if Chris Paul stays or not, I can't see that working together at all. I think No, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I don't see that going well together. Skill wise it could work, but I just yeah. think personality
0: that, that's a that's just a big red flag. Well Johnny, here's my thing and I wanna hear what you think on this and I'm just gonna run down the list quick. I think the Mavs sure. are going to Max Porzingis. I think Kemba's going to Boston. Russell is now a restricted free agent, but if the Nets get Kyrie, I don't think he'll stay, which I think that would be a mistake. Uh, Boogie will probably just re-sign with the Warriors. Could. Possibly. And then the Clippers, that's where it gets interesting. Maybe they go after a guy like Al Horford or Enos Cantor or somebody of that nature, try to bring him in. And Mil- Milwaukee, they have to re-sign. Brooke Lopez... Nikola Miritich and Malcolm Brogdon, and, and they Middleton won't. And Middleton. They won't be able to do that.
1: They have to. They, one of those guys cannot stay there. That's and now
0: the, you're talking about a team that's looking for a Ricky Rubio type of player. Now the Clippers may look at a guy like Ricky Rubio, and now that's where I think it really gets interesting. And Julius Randle as well. Oh, and I forgot, Milwaukee has Chris Middleton too. Yeah, they're, they're, four they're, of them. That's.
1: Yeah. The, I think that's their main goal. They're going to main person. They're going to try to keep. And then Malcolm Brogdon be the one too, and then
0: Vukovic, Fuk- of course. Yeah, and
1: then Brooke Lopez is at the
5: bottom. All of those guys do not fit the Knicks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> one, and, one, yeah,
5: all those guys, all those guys you mentioned are second and third tier players and role players, and those would and the teams that they were on had stars already, and that's how they fit in. Like I'll tell you, I heard the rumor about uh, Marcus Cousins and the Knicks. That would be a disaster. I would not go anywhere near him.
1: Now, I've I've said this before. At that point,
5: you might as well bring back DeAndre Jordan if you're going to do that. You might as well bring back Jordan because he at least didn't play that bad when he came over. Yeah, no, I've said it before. I'm not
1: sure if they really should sign a center. I think really, realistically, I think the Knicks should just, maybe tank isn't the word, but just let their young guys develop and not really go after, like you said, not really go after any of these second-tier free agents and give them the max. I think Mitch Robbins has the potential to be
0: a star in this league. I just think you need another leader on this team. You, you need you need Yeah, I wouldn't leader, give him a max. I would say give or... him a lower level. I right. Because I don't H- – is not coming back. you got to let Trier develop, I think.
1: Yeah, Hazonia will be gone. Moutier's gone. Again, not big names, but, like, yeah. that's another people on the bench you can replace with quality veterans. Yeah. But I don't uh, think you a yeah. like a Middleton or Malcolm Brogdon, like, a, a max deal after – after in february was like oh Kyrie, Kevin Durant, all those players. Yeah. I don't think that's something that Knicks fans or
0: the Knicks in general want to deal with. Our last caller Johnny was saying Vukovic possibly.
5: Uh, I mean, if they don't go crazy spending money on it, I then I, that would be fine, but I'm not going to give a crazy amount of money to uh you know, big non-big time players.
0: Right. I
4: think and we- unfortunately,
5: you know, and I don't want to I don't want to say this is bad luck where people are saying, you know, the Knicks are cursed. Let me tell you right now, the Knicks are not cursed. They, they, you're not cursed for being this bad for 20 years. So, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's kind of uh, disappointing because, you know, when the Knicks made the trade with when the Knicks, dealt Porzingis, it, uh, you know, you were looking forward to this day. But, you know, things happen. And I think, you know, the Durant, injury might have at least sent a sign that, you know, maybe the best thing for the Knicks, right. That might've been all right for the Knicks in terms of the fact that now they could just try and rebuild instead of, you know, doing what they've done in the past and paying, you know, overpaying for, for players that are not stars. I mean, hopefully, you know, Steve Mills is not like previous GMs that would go out and spend big time money on non, non-big-time players whether it was like Noah or Curry or Jerome James and I can't believe Max am bringing those names up on Noah the air killed
0: again. No that
1: team. Oh Jerome James, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time.
5: Oh my God. That's a,
1: but uh, before, I mean, I think they should just develop their young guys and just rebuild with the draft and I I think just secure draft picks and maybe get a better And book. you know what? Go ahead.
5: I can't say I can, and I also real quick I can't say the Knicks can't tank this year because the Knicks did tank this year, and look what happened. It, it didn't give them one overall pick. Now, granted, they did get Barrett, which I thought was great. And you know what? If you told me you had the choice between the two, I think maybe Zion would have been a bigger name and may have been more popular on the Knicks. But I think the better player might have been Barrett. So I'm not disappointed in that regard.
1: I think with the Vucevic thing before we jump to the next thing, Orlando's reportedly offering Vucevic a four-year, ninety million dollars so contract. So he'll probably stay. Yeah, I think Orlando needs an identity. Yeah, not going to do that. They need an identity, and I think Vucevic they're going to want to keep around.
0: Johnny, they can uh, have him then. Now, my last question for you on the Knicks: We talked about Barrett. What are your thoughts on Ignas Brazdeikis out of Michigan? Fifteen points a game as a freshman, and he definitely dropped. I think that was a good trade.
5: Uh you know what? I didn't really pay much attention to him, but uh, listen, it can't hurt. I mean, it was like, bring him in. Let's see what happens. You know, I'm not going to put any pressure on him because I don't think there's really any pressure on the team. So you know what? Let's let's
1: see what he's got. Yeah, they developed two. That's, good... that's, that's... No, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's okay. No, I said let's
5: let's see what he got. You know, I don't think there's really much much pressure on him that, uh, on on him or, or the team now this year. You know, I I I, I really believe right now the best. Thing for the big-time money on second or third-tier players. And again, I do, I would not sign Tyree. Yeah. I, I just can't sign Durant because it's not even the injury. It's the fact that when he comes back, he's going to be 32 years old. And people can say he's got the body and stuff. He's still 32. I, I, I've been down this road. I would love Kawhi Leonard on this but I just don't see that happening. I think Hawaii's going back to Toronto. I, I don't see... I see. I know the Clippers seem to be the number two choice, but I think Hawaii wants to be the guy, and if he goes out to the Clippers, he may be the guy, but he's not going to be the guy in the spotlight, and I think he's got a better chance if he wants to win another title in Toronto than he would out in, out in, uh, out in LA the Clippers, because then you've got to still deal with the Lakers and LeBron, and you've got to deal with... You know, the... You know, that we're going to have with Thompson and Durant being out, the Jazz made a very good trade before the the NBA draft that really helped them. And I don't think they're really even being talked about. I think they're going to fly under the radar and have a big time year. Oh,
0: Mike out Conley, there. yes, I I think yeah. so too. And they get much more needed scoring, which is what they were missing because last Rubio year. Is not really a score, Rudy Gobert. Yeah, I mean, you could win Defensive Player of the Year all you want. It's not going to get you anywhere when all you're scoring falls in the lap of Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell and you're desperate in game four that you revert to playing Grayson Allen in crunch time. I think Jazz
1: could yeah, potentially Mitchell take... Could <laughs> I, think yeah. the, I think the Jazz the Julius Randle could be and the Jazz would be a perfect fit. I don't think Derek Favors has really worked out for them, but I think Julius Randle would be a good fit.
0: Johnny, any final thoughts here before we let you go?
1: You know, I
5: will say one thing here and this might be a, a little bit off topic and stuff, but this is a great time for the NBA because usually this time of the year you're usually we're usually focused on baseball and nothing but baseball. But the NBA is really taking a spotlight in a very good way here these last two weeks between the draft and free agency. And everybody, I mean, since the draft, it's been nonstop. If you're watching like ESPN and stuff, and all they're doing is talking about the draft, uh, is talking about a free agency. And once it hits Sunday at six o'clock, I mean, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh yeah. And you know, hopefully here, I mean, this is. It's better to talk NBA free, even if the Knicks are going to stink again, because what else are you going to talk about? you got to talk about the Mets, whose bullpen gave up three more runs tonight. Uh, I thought
1: we were done with so Mets talk. Brutal. Oh, gosh. I, I know. We I, I, know. I
5: heard you guys earlier. You, you guys were spun on with them. Um, and I'll tell you this right now. I'll make this prediction, because people have been asking about Callaway. If the Mets get swept here against the uh, against the Braves, I think Callaway will be fired on Sunday. Really? Wow. Yeah, I mean, you, my thing you, is, you, I agree. mean, I, I originally put out on Twitter that if it's not now, it'll be the All Star break, and if he survives yeah. the All Star break, he'll make it through the end of the year. Yeah. But if he, if the Mets get swept here by the Braves, and you see again tonight the bullpen gives up three more runs in the eighth inning, that was Gizelman. After, yeah. of course, the Mets had the bases loaded in the bottom of the seventh, and couldn't score, and then they give up a, a bases clearing uh, double in the top half of the eighth. Of course, yeah. Uh, if they get swept here, I think you got to do something. And not all of it is Mickey's fault. I mean, the game last not, yesterday mm-hmm. afternoon against the uh, Phillies was not his fault. But, yeah. I mean, you've got to make a change to make, make a change. Uh, the Yankees are going to coach through the regular season. The big question will just be the postseason, as it's been with them all the time. Yeah. So, And then, you know, football, I mean, i got nothing in terms of football. I mean, the, the, the Giants are going to be such an average to below-average team this year. And I know hockey, we don't really follow, but, I, I, you know, the Rangers know how to rebuild. That's what I'll say there. If you ever wanted a rebuild model, follow what the New York Rangers are doing because they are doing it right. The Knicks should take a lesson from them. They know what they're doing. Yeah. So, yeah, my, my sports work right now. I mean, the NBA creative is a lot of fun, and that's really all I got going because the other my other teams right now, oh, I got really nothing else. But it's always fun to uh, talk to you guys and uh It'll be interesting to see. the Once Sunday 6 p.m. hits, the the, the question will be how early will these guys sign once 6, 6 o'clock starts. I mean, do they sign by the time you guys are on the air next week? That'll be we'll the uh, million-dollar question, I guess.
0: Thank you very much, Johnny. We appreciate the time. All right, absolutely, guys. All right, talk to you soon. Take care. Have a good one. Okay. That was Johnny Montalbano from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And now we just – Breeze through these NBA awards here. Mike Budenholzer, sixty wins, wins NBA Coach of the Year, ninth coach to win multiple awards. Giannis becomes the third youngest player to win the MVP since nineteen eighty. LeBron James and Derek Rose, the two other young guns down there. You, you, you did you have Giannis for the MVP? uh Yeah, pretty. I mean, yeah. it's obviously didn't end
1: up the way they won in the playoffs, but I, I did have Giannis as the MVP here. Much like go back quickly to the Coach of the Year. I had Budenholzer as the coach of the year, too. Yeah. Uh, very impressed with what he's done with the Bucks,
0: uh, Done with the Hawks and then and now the Bucs, so
1: yeah. impressed what he's been doing.
0: Doncic, clean-cut rookie of the year. Lou Williams gets sixth man, beating out Montrez Harold, DeMontes Sabonis. I had Sabonis, but it's hard to go against Lou Williams. He's won this award so many times. Yeah,
1: now he's, he joins Jamal Crawford as the only man to win it three times. But he's won it with two teams, right? The Clippers yeah. twice now and the
0: Raptors for that one lone season he was there. Most improved goes to Pascal. Siakam, yeah, you yeah. could
1: it could have been him a toss between him or D'Angelo Russell, but I think with the way he played in the finals and the playoffs, Siakam gets the edge.
0: Rudy Gobert, Defensive Player
1: of the Year. That was a pretty obvious one too. Very a bright future with the with the Utah Jazz
0: at 27. He has a lot of years left. Yeah. So, hockey. The New Jersey Devils had the number one overall pick in the NHL draft. They select Jack Hughes from the USA under 18 team. Bravo! I was actually at the Prudential Center a couple weeks ago. We oh, nice. saw the PLL, the Premier Premier Lacrosse League. Okay. Out in Harrison, New Jersey. Nice. Uh, one of the post kids got drafted. So yeah, you know, got to hang out in front of the Prudential Center one Saturday night. It was nice out in Newark, but New Jersey, one of the worst hockey teams this season. Jack Hughes, good pick, but the Rangers, it's red, white, and blue. Johnny just talked about the way they're rebuilding. That's the right way to do it. Yeah, probably should follow follow that a little more. Uh, take note other the New York teams. Capo Caco, number two overall out of Finland. Great pick for the Rangers. Good selection. The, uh, uh interview, he didn't look too excited in the interview. That yeah, I saw that did, video. Was actually, but I fun. just think it's sometimes players are caught candid a little bit. That's yeah, probably a young what guy happened too, there. Yeah,
1: coming from a new country, probably a little bit. Not sure.
0: And then the Islanders at number twenty three. Select Simon Holmstrom out of Sweden. Interesting pick for them. And funs, we're going to end the night on a fun fact. Josh McCown, longtime journeyman quarterback, played for about 9, 10 teams, retired from the NFL earlier this offseason after a 17 career. Yes. He was the one who handed off the ball. He played so long in the NFL. Yeah. You know where I'm getting at here. Yeah, no, he I, was...
1: I, yeah, I remember seeing this. on like, his, uh, <laughs> something came up on Twitter that, that happened. I'm like, no way. And then that's when you think, wait, Emmett Smith was a Cardinal too. Yeah,
0: that's also another thing, folks. He was the one who handed off the ball to Emmett Smith for the final run of his career with the Arizona Cardinals.
1: Impressive career with uh, what Josh McCown able to do. At one point, wanted to stay with the Cardinals long term, but bounced around the league. A true professional, and I'm wishing him the best of luck. Now he's at ESPN as NFL analysis.
0: Exactly a great show again.
1: Yeah, awesome. Tom, as always, thank you for having me. i really enjoyed
0: this second show. I'm looking forward to joining once again. Yeah. Maybe we'll have you back on next week or something. We'll see. Yeah, uh, no, we'll work it out. A lot of talk next week. We're going to talk more NBA free agency, talk more about Barrett and what the Knicks and Knicks did in the draft. We'll see if Callaway survives it to next Friday. Yeah, let's hope. <laughs> that note, on behalf of Fonz DeFalco, I'm Tom Scavetta wishing all of you a good evening. Thank you very much for tuning into our live stream tonight on Facebook Live and listening to us here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. Good night, everyone.